This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Not sure what to give or receive as a gift this holiday season? Might we suggest Manscaped. Manscaped is the ultimate gift and they're here to change the men's grooming game. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Kevin Costner's Through the Looking Glass, David Fincher adapts one of the best-selling books of all time, and Peter Jackson mounts his first epic trilogy this week on 30-20-10. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 30-20-10 at the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back on a little journey across three decades in a pop culture time machine. Pull up a chair, open up three portals to three decades ago, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. <laughs> we'll be covering the week of December 17th to the 23rd. This is going to be one of the most nuts weeks for movies you've ever heard of so if you like tv go away i mean (laughs) there's a lot of stuff to talk about i can't wait i'm gonna be your host chris antista who else is with me every party needs a pooper that's why you invited me it's me sarah (laughs) (laughs) and i'm diana goodman and of course i had like 14 different clever things i was going to say and instead i'm going to say congratulations to john waters Pink Flamingos is in the National Film Registry the Hell Library yeah. of Congress. Yes. That's one of my favorite moments ever was being at a, uh, what was it, the Woman's March? And yes. Diana literally bumping into John Waters, and I was able to take a picture of it, and it doesn't that was suck. was so great. I shook the hand that instructed Divine to eat poop. <laughs> John Waters is the best. And we yeah. Only- oh, we had, it's so weird that this happened today the day we're recording this because a lot of great stuff got into the library of congress film registry including one of the big ones we're talking about this week oh awesome oh my yeah. god uh I, oh, yeah. guess which one it is i just want to say we only have one new john waters movie to cover on this show and it's a dirty shame i just i had i formulated that <laughs> sentence last night and i just wanted to say it off the top bad joke 30 2010 if you don't know what we do we sit here in a single week december 17th to the 23rd and we're going to go through three decades, 1991, 2001, 2011, and see what the biggest releases, movies, TV, music, video games, all were that week. And again, it's mostly movies this week. Everything else has kind of slowed to a minor crawl. But there's there's so many notable things this week. We just have to get moving. I can't get moving without thanking our executive producer, David Reinhardt. Uh, over at patreon.com slash laser time him and many other fine people help make the show and many, many other shows in the laser time network possible we're gonna throw you up a bunch of freebies over the holidays you can listen to you'll never be bored thank you guys so much 30 2010 december 17th to the 23rd 1991 is where we're where we will start uh and we didn't mention this already i it, i'll never know hold on jane fonda and ted turner marry they divorce in may t- 2001 Right. Uh, okay. So yes, it might be. We cover the divorce. Right. We covered the Braves at the World Series. Right. Just next week, he becomes Times Man of the Year. So we've been talking about Ted Turner. A and lot. we we cover. Uh, Sarah didn't grow up in the same hometown I did, but like uh, Ted Turner and Jane kind of settled down near here, and they would be seen around my hometown a lot, my sleepy hometown a lot. And he has one restaurant here where he serves buffalo meat. Ted's Montana. Mm-hmm. Can't let a mention of Ted Turner go by without me talking about how much I love Ted's Montana. Ted's Montana. If you want a twenty dollar burger, of bison burgers. <laughs> Ted's Montana. And a little news I picked up on. Uh, it's not a huge deal, but a big deal to me. Uh, if you like Muppet stuff, Jim Henson Home Video is announced by Brian Henson this week. 
doesn't sound like a crazy big deal, but remember, the Henson Company, while incredibly notable to everyone my age in 1991, is a small company and doesn't have its own distribution arm. It has people distributing its three movies right now. It's, yeah, it's three movies, but not a lot else. And so they form their own home video label, and all of a sudden, dozens of Muppet-related content will be hitting home video, where you can actually own it, rather than trying to tape it whenever it comes on TV. I'm talking like Emmett Otter, Muppet Babies, uh, Fraggle Rock, all that stuff come, is ownable for the first time ever. Nice. Feels weird, but that's the way the world worked back then. Finally, movies of 1991. Hook is still number one, and I feel bad a little for the beating I might have given it last week, but I, I really, I really don't like the film. But once again, me not liking a film is not saying you're a bad person for liking a film. And I would rather you like continue liking the film than take my word for it. Watching it, it's it's a fascinating watch. It's not boring. It's just no, stupid. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I agree. So moving on to the movies that actually did come out this week, trying to hold a candle to hook. <laughs> French movie. <laughs> Taus uh, les Martins de Monde. Monde? 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 Shut up. You say. Tous les Matins du Monde. Tous les Matins du Monde. With Gerard Depardieu, Jean Pierre Merlin, and Brassman. Unpronounceable consonant. <sighs> uh, so, this was a massively celebrated French movie ah. that is, I mean, the. It is the extreme of Chris Repellent. It's about like a musician in the court of Louis the Fourteenth, and it's very romantic. Sacre bleu. Yeah, it's it is very slow and romantic and very very pretty. I spit on your girl movie. All right, then moving on to a movie because it's up against such big Hollywood hitters that are all. Oh my gosh, they're all kind of bonkers in their own way. Yeah, because I think this one. Ended up in like punchline territory for the rest of the year. Probably uh, something Warren Beatty messed a lot with because Bill Graham, yeah. Baby Newworth, Wendy Phillips, Elliot Gould, uh, Joe Montana, Harvey Keitel, Ben Kingsley, Annette Benning, and Warren Beatty in Bugsy. I am talking about the single best idea I ever had. Las Vegas. What are we, Bedouins? That's Virginia Hill. Spectacular. Use your imagination. I'm using it. Let me know when you're finished. Where would you have some broad handle our money? No problem. Would you stop that, please? Warren Beatty, Annette Benning. You want out, you're out! Bugsy. God won't be able to bail you out of this one. <laughs> no, I is not a punchline, except that, you know, it's a movie about Warren Beatty and how great Warren Beatty is, but mm. it's one of the most critically lauded movies of the year. It really? is perfectly built Oscar bait. It is everything they love. Oh, I'm thinking of that kid. Piece. I'm thinking of that kid musical. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Bugsy Malone? Malone. Yeah, my bet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. That would have been amazing. They, they just were... covered that on the How the Biscuit Paint. Yeah. 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 It was Warren Beatty and all kids. Oh my lord. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. All his uh, kids. <laughs> With all his fucking. <laughs> Historically speaking, why this is important, this is the end of Warren Beatty's reign of terror on women. Ooh, and that thing locked that golden bit she down. locked it down. I mean, he was a... <laughs> he, it takes an SF state girl, y'all! He was, he was a much slower 62. <laughs> nah, it was not slowing him down. Uh, he was with Madonna! I know, I know. Yeah, he went from Madonna to Annette Benning. Yeah, and yeah. Benning saw him on Truth or Dare and still wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> After he looked that square. <laughs> Y'all, this is post Dick Tracy. Yeah. yeah. 
Which and Annette Bening still wanted it. It looks exactly <laughs> like Dick Tracy. It does, and also that confused me when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> but just because it's 40s and they got the big suits. It yeah. is, but it's. I, I'm yeah. sure it has that fucking hero lens on Warren Beatty the same way Dick yeah. Tracy did the whole oh. time. Oh, yeah. yeah Vaseline on the... The lens. Yeah, it is. It is that yeah. that movie is one of like the last definitions of like of egotistical actor who's also the producer. Like on me, everybody on me. I'm gonna fire a gun. Where doesn't matter. It looks cool, <laughs> and I'm gonna do it. This has. If yeah. this is any bit as silly as Dick Tracy, nothing can be. I'm no, it, it is. It is not as silly. It is really good, but because it's so fucking Oscar baity, people kind of just write it off as like, that's the kind of shit they make just to win awards. Mm. Because yeah, it's a period piece, it's a biopic, it's tangentially related to the movies in Hollywood. Mm. So of course, and it's Barry Levinson, you know, coming off a of Rain Man, so he can do no wrong. But here's the thing, it's a lot of fun. Mm. It's still pretty damn good, because it's about Bugsy Siegel, who's a mobster, and how he built Las Vegas. That's a pretty cool story. And he he sinks a lot of the mob's money into it, and he just keeps being like, no, no, I've got a great idea, but it's going to cost $4 million. And they're like, you said $1 million. He's like, ah, I made $6 million. And of course, when you play with the mob's money, guess what happens? You get shot in the eye. Mm. So See, it's still... It's pretty fun. I mean, Ben Kingsley and Harvey Keitel and Joe Mantegna as gangsters, always fun. I, I did not watch this this week because I had to watch two other things for this segment that yep. are what I considered great near and dear movies that I had to revisit and have yeah. odd and feelings about. That's, that's fair. But so yeah. yeah, overall, I mean, it's pretty good. It is. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It just, it does feel like awards bait, but like the tension between Warren Beatty and Annette Benning, who is bringing it in this part yes. is like that, that ends up kind of being the draw 30 years later of like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can see the chemistry. Like this is, this is happening. Well, yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. I watched a little bit of it, and also because I knew Baby Newworth is in it, and if you say the words Baby Newworth to me, <laughs> then I'm going to put my eyes upon it. Um, Better watch and Pete and Pete. She's so great. And it it's exactly as described. I mm-hmm. did not get to the point where I could say, like, oh, it's great, because I kind of felt it was a little bit Full of it itself. too Oscar. Fart like, snippy. Like, yeah. A little boring, kind mm-hmm. of. If, unless you're like really watching it, like head on fist watching, it, <laughs> which sometimes you're not in the mood for that. So it kind of also felt a little bit to me like a um, a movie of a movie, like a, a hmm. fake movie that would be in another movie because it's so costumey. A very expensive yeah. fake movie. It's very mm-hmm. costumey. Yeah. Okay. Please yeah. let's I, move I on. I feel bad that it's like it goes into the Oscars with like all the nominations. Mm-hmm. And it, it wins like a couple little things here and there, but it's like it's it's the La La Land of 1991, where it's like you think this is going to just destroy everyone, and oops, surprise, Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> motherfucker. This I mean, is how much that. time y'all are going to spend on the weak movies. We are going to be here forever. Let's. We, all right. Let's... I just I feel like someone has to go to bat for it because right, people right, have forgotten right. it. But it, all right, let's move on to one that is clearly not because not number one at the box office, but the, was number one in my household, and I haven't seen this in like at least 20 years, but probably watched it every day for a certain amount of time. Little, Starring a little baby, Kieran Culkin. George, oh, little Romulus. Yeah. George Newbern, Martin Short, Kimberly Williams, Diane Keaton, Steve Martin, it's father of the bride. From Touchstone Pictures, behind every beautiful bride-to-be stands a calm, relaxed father. A father who's just not ready to let his daughter go. Steve Martin, father of the bride, rated PG. Starts Friday, December 20th at a theater near you. 
Uh, oh. ah. I love this movie so much, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. And I didn't think, you know, like, I have great memories from it growing up. I watched it a ton. It, it's Nancy Myers has got her paws in it. It's yep. screenplay co-written by her. So it's got that look of white upper middle class, like, fanciness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would think revisiting it now, the whole, like, father, oh, my little precious baby girl, can't let her go to another man, like, thing would really not age well and would bother me. But honestly, it's done very well in a way that's well, not, not creepy, I feel like. Yeah, it's not. Like, it, it could have aged so poorly in less skilled hands, but yep. they do such a good job of walking that line. And, I mean, a lot of that goes to Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. He's so gifted. Mm -hmm. Portraying that emotion of that you can imagine of seeing your child grow up and he's, move on he's and doing start like her own family. The lightest emotional slapstick throughout this entire film. Yes. It's never too broad. Yeah. But and yet there's enough a little bit of slapstick to just actually make you laugh out loud at points. I mean when he's trying on his tiny tux. <laughs> <laughs> So, but it does, it's, it ends up being so sweet and not treacly and not saccharine, even though mm -hmm. it so could that, do that's, it but that's, so easily. It walks that line so perfectly so I, that it's a comfort watch, but it doesn't make your teeth rot out of the your head. There's nothing mm -hmm. humiliating about the movie. It, I'd say it holds up kind of well. I just remember it being uproarious when I was little. There's and, some really funny parts to it. I mean, yeah. how did we not talk about B.D. Wong? <laughs> as Martin Einstein assistant. <laughs> is, uh, is something Stein's got a really Semitic name it's like Howard Feinstein Howard I Feinstein think. or something yeah. like that and, and really like I know we live in a live show murder only murders in the building world but it's like this only the second time Martin Short and Steve Martin have been on screen together and really? yeah now I mean now they're like practically an inseparable comedy duo but yeah. uh yeah, yeah that didn't happen very often I, I as a little kid never got the Eugene Levy cameo there's a neat little Eugene, oh Eugene God, Levy yes. cameo in here it's even in the credits yeah. I just didn't know who he was in 1991 it's so it, it's such a sweet portrayal it's so funny and it also really I think for a lot of little girls and people for a lot of people growing up really cemented their wedding fantasies um, because oh it is a wet no. movie at the no end of the day. No fucking swans. No swans. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time dreaming about my wedding when I was growing up because I just was like, yeah, that looks great. We'll just do that. And, you know, once Sam and I did get married, I rejected the whole father of the bride idea. I love my father yeah. very much, but that idea has no place in my life. My dad ex like, explaining that to me. It, it, it's an old tradition for the father of the bride to pay for the entire wedding. I, I had to have that explained to me in the movie theater. Like, does that still happen? He's like, well, we'll find out in like 20 years. And I should have whispered <laughs> to him, no, you won't. I've been through plenty of weddings now. There's, there's, I got a weird meet the parents sort of vibe. Like, why is everybody acting like this? But I, I guess this is where I want to just throw to Diana. This yeah. is a remake of a yep. 1950s uh, movie yep. where this kind of material would feel way more at home. Yeah, that that is one thing that really struck me on this rewatch is they do try to update things and modernize them. But there's some things they never figure out how to fix. Mm. Like the idea that their daughter would go to college, move back home, and then they'd have the wedding. After she's met this guy, she's only known this guy a couple months. They get engaged. Mm -hmm. They immediately have to have a wedding. The mm -hmm. wedding has to be very shortly. They don't move in together. Like, right. That was my number right. one thing. It's like, she lives at home. <laughs> why, why are you moving home? Why aren't you guys getting an apartment that, together? Yeah. 
for a couple months and then you start planning the wedding in i think in 91 i don't think that that was so far-fetched and i mean i, I could still be wrong have, I... in my most recent years i still had friends whose parents weren't cool with them moving in together before they got married i mean it's still mm -hmm. a thing especially in the south i know it south. is still a thing and especially with very religious catholics i had friends who moved together in together and they had to get a two-bedroom apartment which they could barely afford mm -hmm. so they could have plausible deniability mm -hmm. yeah they had yeah. separate bedrooms Wink. i think especially in 91 i don't know that it was that far-fetched it would be much more difficult now i mean i, I can see my grandmother saying something about it so i'm yeah. And she wasn't hmm. nearly dead yet. She was still buying stuff and seeing movies like Father of the Bride. So I guess you yeah. can't so that's, totally turn I mean, her that, off. that is like my big thing. It's like, why, why are we rushing to wedding? Like, you have time. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. I, I don't understand people who are engaged for like two and three years. Like, you're not really engaged. You're just in a committed relationship. You got to be, when you're engaged, you're heading to oh, being married. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I, you're just going steady. I, I was. But <laughs> as the, why as, are they rushing it? There's no reason to rush. As I don't get it. The, the paternal member of this podcast, I was more concerned. Like, is is it really a problem that he makes a billion dollars doing a job you you haven't heard of? Is this the biggest problem that you can have? His parents are wealthy, and I find that yeah, awkward. His parents like, are who would fucking rich. complain about? Like, I just trying to imagine my parents complaining about this. They're, they are right now the father of a upcoming bride, and are very welcoming of other money from the <laughs> from the other parents. Yeah. Like, please yeah. help us out with this. Yeah, and. I don't know. Some one thing, another thing I felt missing was like no one really asks the bride what her ideas are for this wedding. Like Martin Short as the coordinator really takes it over, and so much of the comedy is about him coming up with really stupid oh. ideas. And the bride, and the mother of the bride, being like, "Oh, that sounds lovely. Oh, but that's only six thousand dollars. Okay." And it's like, where's there being any kind of assertive? I mean. Does she have her wedding planned already? Or is she really just like going along to get along? Because I know those bridal guys, they are pushy. Mm. Oh yeah, God, I'm planning think... a wedding fucking blows. In five months, not really enough time to do it, girl. Yeah. Planning a wedding is intense. And I, I, I don't know. I think that those parts I'm willing to excuse because they build in the comedy then. I mean, mm -hmm. if you don't have Martin Short shorting all over the place, then what are oh, we yeah. doing here? You know? Yeah. I mean, I also really love Kimberly Williams and she yeah. doesn't show up a lot. And like, she just didn't have a huge acting career. I feel like she, this is her debut, I believe. Yeah. And um, she's just like so sweet. I think she plays this part really well. I wish I had seen her more things. You know, she's gone on to marry Brad Paisley. Yeah. I was such a surprise. Like, oh shit, she's Mrs. Brad Paisley. The nationwide <laughs> guy. Yeah. <laughs> they seem like a really sweet couple. And also if you, for my, uh, how I met your mother heads out there, her sister is the woman who is also an actress who plays the baker in how I met your mother, who almost got with Ted. Uh, oh, and so oh they, God do a lot of stuff together on Instagram. They're very cute. Together. And I should, so, I have to point out, Diana, did you watch this with Michael? Cause no, for no reason today, then he pointed out that the guy who, who plays the husband to be and father, the bride is final fantasy fans, the voice of Sephiroth in several kingdom hearts games. So no like, way. I just thought that the, the ultimate boss fight is, uh, is McKinsey. In, uh, what's, yeah. what's the act, that actor's name? Cause he's, he's a hate side guy. I guy. obviously remember yeah, George um, Newbern. No, my bad. Oh, okay. That's George Newbern. No, it's just also, I have it in front of me. <laughs> the guy who plays his dad is also one of those hey, yes. guy guys, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I Okay, that is one thing I did laugh pretty hard. I'm just so many, like, fun 1991 things that I hadn't even thought of. Like, if yeah, your daughter brings home a guy 
how do you verify anything he's saying? There's no internet. Mm -hmm. This guy, he could actually be a serial killer living under an assumed name. Mm -hmm. How do you know? How do you find out if this guy's legit? I don't know. There's no Facebook to stalk. Yeah. I like that the I... uh, the current Ford Mustang looks like it's made out of Legos. Mm. And... <laughs> yeah. But then there's like this fun conflict of them being middle class and him being like from Bel Air, very super uh, upper whole... class. But middle class here means a 4,600 square foot house. Yeah. And, yeah, and he... it's wild. Has, has just capitalism changed so much? He's the owner of a shoe company that mm. owns his own factory. Like, is that... It's one of those jobs that if you if you said, I'm going to start my own shoe company, everybody would laugh at you unless you're Kanye West. And even then, right. you'd have to license <laughs> them out to... Even then, we're all kind of laughing, yeah. right? <laughs> but that's what he does, and he hates Nikes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So I... My own personal bias is because I, I was having a lot of fun watching this. And so I just decided to be like mean and nitpicky. And my own personal biases ended up balancing out pretty nicely because I found out, oh, she was on a semester abroad. Mm -hmm. the, that's weak. Semester is weak. You do the year. So you can have the full culture shock freak out experience. Uh -huh. and, and just a semester you can do. That's you can do that. But then that was balanced out by in the plot finding out, oh, they met by going to a screening of bigging a baby. So I knew you love that. <laughs> I, all right. That's all you had to say to me. I'm gonna. I'm just a giant pushover. If I were a mother of the bride, I would just have to say the magic words, Catherine Hepburn, and I'm like, "Welcome to the battle." <laughs> I'm gonna marry you too. In, in case you '90s kids need refreshing, this is kind of a astronomical hit. It is huge mm -hmm, yeah. on home video. It is huge on television airings, and even at the domestic box office, I think it makes over five times its budget. Which is wow. not, it's not a huge budget. So it's still pretty crazy that like the whole world in my gravitational pull yeah. was fucking in love with this movie. The adults were going yeah. to see the next movie uh, without me, yeah. but Father Bride I, was huge. It's, it's also one of those movies that doesn't come up very often that does not have an antagonist. Oh yeah. yeah. It's just the dad. I mean, it's really Steve Martin against himself. Yeah. yeah. And also too, one of the things that I like about the movie as well. Is well, well, that... Frank, <laughs> he's kind of, huh? kind of a bad guy. Spending yeah. a lot of Frank. Frank is it's kind of no, a Frank's just doing his job trying to create yeah. a princess day for this most beautiful girl. I only had it written down. I'm glad he's here more than I remembered. I thought I remembered it being a very small role, but he's kind of around way more <laughs> than I remembered. I mean, they love Frog so much. They brought him back for Father of the Bride too, as the yeah. job is unclear. Baby yeah. shower planner, like yep. I don't know what he's doing <laughs> well, in Father of the Bride too, what, but I welcome it. One of my few <laughs> memories of seeing this in the theater was the audience losing their fucking mind every moment Martin Short is on screen and everything mm. he says. I I've, I remembered him being hard to understand, and I forgot how Me much too. of the gag is that Steve Martin can't understand a word, but. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else seems to not have a problem. <laughs> well, and that's one of the things that is so fun about this movie, too, is because it's there is narration, right? Yeah. Steve yeah. Martin, you, so he is an unreliable protagonist as well. <laughs> so all the ideas of the son-in-law and the new father-in-law and Frank and everything, you don't actually know if any of that is really accurate because this hmm. really is from his point of view. So that makes a kind of another fun layer as well. Yep. And it's funny, this made me think of a couple different movies that I just wanted to bring up, because we just talked about the big year and being mm -hmm. like a gentle comedy of low stakes, yeah. also with Steve Martin, and it's the same thing. But uh -huh. I can't, I just feel like the biggest dumbass in the world. I got a third of the way into this movie, and I thought, why don't people talk about this in the birdcage together? Uh -huh. They're kind of the same movie. Wow, it's the gay yeah. version of Father the Bride. But one has gay and drag in it. But 
there is so much overlap. Yeah. Like, I want to see them cut together into one four-hour masterpiece. It's a good double feature. Yeah. yeah. Uh, way better than watching Father the Bride 2, which I, the whole Aww, world hated. I love Father the Bride 2. I mean, critically, it's it's just like this massive... Du- Not that this did great with critics either. It just audiences yeah, were all over it. Because it. it's, so, it's such a gentle, warm-hearted comedy. Yeah. It is. Like, but even it, when he flips out, it's not like he's going to start chasing people with an axe. He's right. really just going to hurt himself. He's just mad about the hot dog buns, damn it. And <laughs> I agree. My, yes. my dad quotes that to this day so much that I've forgotten. I sometimes forget it's from this. Yeah. The bun people got together the hot dog people. Yeah. I, I, to I this mean, day. He's not wrong. Yeah. yeah. But again, like a huge crowd pleaser in my house, Father the Bride. Oh yeah, it's a damn conspiracy. Yeah, How about movie. that to lead into the next one. <gasps> oh boy, Ooh. one of the most star-studded. I was ca- going to talk about unreliable films. Ooh, Ooh. One of the most star-studded cast I've ever seen. Walter Matthau in this for like twenty-five seconds. <laughs> you know, actually, before you even start listing the people, I have to say, back when we played the Kev- Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, this was always my linchpin yeah. because everyone's in it. You know, between this one, Father of the Bride, and Bugsy, you've got some pretty great Six Degrees movies. Not a bad looking man, Mr. Garrison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your problem is you've never been fucked in the ass. Um, Walter, That's a line in this movie. This movie is one of the most insane things I've ever seen, and I have always sort of enjoyed it. I don't know where I stand on it now. Walter Matthau, Jack Lemon, Michael Rooker, Ed Asner, John Candy, Laurie Metcalf, Donald Sutherland, Brian Doyle Murray, Sissy Spacek, Kevin Bacon, Joe Pesci, Gary Oldman, Tommy Lee Jones, and Kevin Costner, and Oliver Stone's JFK. From the shadow of a doubt. Who would leave a path as big as Lee Harvey Oswald? To the darkest suspicions. Nobody's going to tell me that kid did the shooting job he did from that damn bookstore. One man would make a dangerous journey. Don't you think the Kennedy assassination's a little bit out of your domain? Looking for the truth. Oswald's been shot! Kevin Costner in an Oliver Stone film. Nothing is going to keep me from my investigation of John Kennedy's murder. JFK rated R. This is this is why I think why we do 302010. This movie is beloved by audiences and critics and was by me up until watching it within the last five years and it just well, leaves a horrible ca- taste in my mouth to call it controversial is kind of an understatement yeah oh my god looking into the think pieces every fucking magazine because we didn't have internet every goddamn magazine if we had the internet twitter would have been obliterated the computer sort of shut down in protest mm-hmm. because of the fucking hot takes on this one because it's a movie mainstreaming the idea that there was a conspiracy to kill JFK that involved the CIA the and state. probably the mafia and also probably Cuba mm-hmm. and also probably LBJ and also probably Russia. these guys over here. Also Russia. And, it's, it's right. It is also like a and wonderful it's factually. Uh, there's a bunch of things that it, it gets wrong often for just compressing for movie purposes, Yes, but it's also great acting and incredibly made. It is, it is a great movie, even if it is all made up. I, I sort of, I sort of disagree. It's based on two books. One which is written by the character Garrison, the character Kevin Costner is playing, and another of like giant pile of conspiracies revolving around JFK's assassination. And yeah. it's all put in this movie. And it's why conspiracy theories are dumb. Because, and why most of the conspiracy, when you, you associate things like QAnon with something that is stupid, because just, oh, oh, 
one and seven is 17 and 17 is the number of Q, blah, blah, blah. Like every single, he finds a problem with everything in this case, but none of them go together in any way. Mm. And not even as, as an audience member, when he got to trial, I'm like, you should lose. You don't have any evidence. Like none of the, they threw away Lee Harvey Aldwell's testimony. He wasn't even recorded. Like, so what? How does that relate to Tommy Lee Jones going to jail for assassination? You don't have a case at all. Yeah. It's like, but so a bunch of loose facts and trivia somehow get rolled into a conspiracy. I'm like, you don't actually have a conspiracy because you don't have any connection. You don't have any evidence. You don't have any correlation. Uh, the red got, string parts of it. Yes, there's got the red some, string part. There's got, he's got some red strings, but to get to Tommy Lee Jones's character, Is, who's like a guy from New Orleans who has crazy sex parties, but it's like, oh, but he knows Joe Pesci. Who knows? Or he knows Kevin Bacon. Who knows Joe Pesci? Who might know Gary Oldman? Is like if, or maybe he knows Jack Ruby. It, it's very, yeah. It's it's yeah. bizarre, and it's like if this movie came out today, I think most people would be like, "That is wholly irresponsible for a person to do." And that, that's someone who's I have not seen the documentary he just made True. about this, but I yeah. have seen the other Showtime documentaries he's made, and they're mm. terrible. I'm a big fan of Oliver Stone in this during this period, but it's like you don't just believe in conspiracy theories. You like every conspiracy theory. And when they overlap it's, and what do you call yeah. that? They don't correspond. They actually some of them like negate the others, even in this movie. <laughs> like it's almost as if Oliver Stone is bad. It's kind of <laughs> No, I know I, I don't I don't want to say he's bad. I don't think he's a bad filmmaker, although he has made a lot of bad films. We mm. cannot disagree with that. I don't want to say because like the, the story behind this, he's kind sucks. of making this movie in secret, fighting against multiple financing partners so no one knows about it because it was controversial before it came out. And then when it came out, critics were like, I, I got I get the feeling most of this is bullshit, but like what a ride, man. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And I, yeah, now, and that is literally where I sit with it. I used to think like he brings up a lot of good points. I don't know if all of them land, but maybe he's just asking questions. And it's like that. No, just asking questions is usually a bullshit thing to say, but it's a hell of a ride. I kind of think of it as like the end of Clue. Where it's like, well, it could have happened that way. Yeah. Uh, or it could have happened this I just, way. It's just the thing <laughs> I, I remember. Um, were you all on the ride for that first season of Serial? Yeah. And yeah. they presented yeah. all these things like, whoa. Maybe Adnan didn't do it. Like, uh -huh. but what you didn't do is find a person who did, mm -hmm. because none of those things. Oh, he couldn't have gotten here at this time, and his cell phone was over here. Like, related to any other human being, living or dead. And that the movie is in the same place. So, like, the last hour of the movie is this dude on trial. I'm like, you are going to lose. None of this relates to the other. There's no way this guy has anything to do with test, like, with arresting Texas police officers who didn't record the testimony of Lee Harvey Oswald. He doesn't go up that high. It's just, yeah. it's... Well, he's trying to prove a conspiracy and hope that they also think Tommy Lee Jones is involved. Yes. It's like, that's the uphill battle. Yeah, First, you have to prove a conspiracy to charge someone with conspiracy. And the movie doesn't do that at all. Eh. It doesn't mm. It doesn't show a relation to anything. It just makes everything in the world a suspect. From, <laughs> from the... So, I, I did not watch JFK because, A, it's long. Yes, and B, true. It's Oliver Stone, and I just am not going to with him. So, but Tommy Lee Jones, when you say Tommy Lee Jones, he's playing a character that is a real human being that existed. In yes. Okay. Yes. Who okay. actually was charged with conspiracy by the DA of New Orleans. And okay. there, there's probably a story. After Lee after the, Oswald. Yes. Was, yes. 
Okay. I mean, he shot like immediately. So yeah, almost everything's after oh. Lee Harvey Oswald. But it's it's because yeah. sorry, I, I went through the Looking Glass, like looking into some of this stuff and like debunking this and that. And also, this guy was a not very closeted gay dude, and a lot of that was used to character assess. That was a lot of Bill Garrison's case. His Jim Garrison. Jim Garrison. Yeah. I say. yeah, that was a lot of his case. A lot of homo mm-hmm. like playing on homophobia. There's a movie about Tommy Lee Jones' character who also is like. One of the best roles I've ever seen Tommy Lee Jones He's ever play. Great. It's and it's awesome. He is so not Tommy Lee Jones in this. Yes. Yeah, he has it's never so I've never atypical. heard him not use his Texas accent like and he's it's a very different accent and he seems to know the difference. Much mm-hmm. applause. There's so many performances in this movie I would be like, "Ooh, I don't want to remember you like this John Candy. That was embarrassing." Oh, but, I thought he was really good. No, he just said daddy I mean, too many times. Yeah, well, I mean, he he does you know, he does talk with the big, thick, gumbo kind of accent. You want to see the hottest Aunt Jackie's ever looked, though? JF. <laughs> Laurie Metcalf is great in Laurie this. Laurie Metcalf is good. Yeah, no, I just, yeah, there's so many people in this for just little teeny bits, and they're yep. they're real good. I love Brian Doyle Murray as Jack Ruby is great casting. I love that he gets to kill Lee Harvey Oswald the same way that uh, he killed Hyman Roth in Godfather 2. Yeah! <laughs> it's the exact same fucking scene. Gary Oldman, I think, is killing it yeah. i think it was supposed to be tim roth like those guys are always competing for roles but gary oldman as lee harvey oswald does a great job of just being someone who's like very suspicious and twitchy and you're like well he could have done it it's it's i think but could he maybe not it's most of the reason why we have these conspiracy theories he is one of the shadiest men on paper you've ever seen and then you look at him like this guy's way too much of a dipshit to have done any of this on his. How could he have done any of this on his own? He's, yeah. he's such a loser. It's like, mm-hmm. such a fuck up. It's a fascinating story. It's just like it's just one of those things that like this ignited, reignited an interest in these conspiracies, and also created like genuine legislation. We mm-hmm. had the Warren Commission reports released because of this film. Early, yeah, really? been yes, hundreds of thousands of pages of documents and have been guess, released since 1992. There's a law signed. No, it was like it was like earlier this supposed, year. They were supposed to be done by 2017. There's still shit coming out. Yeah, they are still releasing documents. Yeah, and guess yeah. what's been uncovered? Diddly ass shit. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. It's it's. It's it's frustrating, and I know it's frustrating for people who want like I wasn't alive to see this, but who would want an answer to this horrible fucking tragedy? Well, yeah, culprit? and I mean we've talked about conspiracy theorists yeah. before. It's come up in other movies and pop culture, and I always feel sympathetic to people who want to believe in conspiracy theories because, as someone who deals with anxiety myself, it is a way to put order to a world that often feels nonsensical, right. random. Mm-hmm. Horrible things happen to good people all the time for no reason, and you can't explain it. And so conspiracy theory is a way for someone to put order to their universe, even when the basis of it is evil, essentially. Like, at least it's something to explain. Mm -hmm. Evil, somehow, I think for a lot of people, is more comforting than randomness because it's a it's a thing. So I I do always feel a little bit sympathetic for people who are prone to I used to. Not anymore. Well, I I can believe that there is one other person involved Um, because the bigger conspiracy gets, the more leaks you're going to have. There's always someone who gets drunk and talks or whatever. And it's like they're talking about so many people being involved. literally a formula to that. And it's like, yeah, to how many people are involved and how many years it takes someone to talk. This involves dipshits in the mob. And the CIA, the FBI, Russia, and Cuba, mm-hmm. no one knows, no one's ever spilled the beans on anything. 
Yeah. And, yeah well, no one's ever bragged or what whatever. Yeah. Although you do make an interesting point saying that yeah, Lee Harvey Oswald is uh just an idiot failure who's too stupid to be part of a conspiracy or too stupid to pull it off by himself. And I'm just thinking of all the other presidential assassins and attempted assassins. And except for maybe John Wilkes Booth, they are all fuck up losers. Yeah, they're all dumb. That's why they're assassinating people. <laughs> it's, the, it's it's the last it's the last resort of a fucking idiot. Violence yep. like on that level. And yeah. if you want to hear something like the conspiracy theorists out there will hate even more, poking around a little bit, this is a lot of these theories are early sources of Russian disinformation to discredit the CIA in the eyes of Americans. They, it's That's literally been dug up. I'm not going to bring up what's true and what's not because I, I mean, I, my head spins when I dig into this. I just don't care about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're talking about these acts of terrorism that these people, yes, of course, they're not our brightest and best. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the really smart people who are actually trying to ruin things are doing things like being hedge fund managers and stuff <laughs> and like in charge of huge, they're titans of industry that are ruining entire generations. That's or, where they're Or they kowtow to a Republican president going. and take CEO yeah. jobs. Uh, anyway. Yeah. But, and why was a guy who's pro-communist kill a president to keep him from pulling out of Vietnam? Because that argument was so staged, man. It was like yeah. every conspiracy theory ever is presented in this movie. And it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think it just, Oliver Stone basically, like Salvador is a great movie. And like uncovering mm-hmm. things that we haven't actually talked about. And so, Platoon's a wonderful movie, a side of the war that's never been depicted. Whereas mm-hmm. this, I think, was... Aside of the JFK assassination, the overwhelming majority of America was not paying attention to and all of a sudden did, and it set their brains on fire. And yeah. it, and, and it's not the movie. I just can't enjoy the movie so now, given that, the climate of conspiracy theories. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's worth know. arguing. I don't know. I'm just like, saying well, I can't enjoy it as much anymore. He has an opinion, and he's putting that opinion forward in a way that engages people. Whether you agree with that opinion or not, isn't that effective film? It just, it just seems like a series of discrepancies. I know. It's, or is it vast, super irresponsible to put together have you ever Have you ever read a, yeah. Did you ever watch Loose Change and then read a discrediting thing on it? Like, yeah. these all can't be true. This is dumb. That's what JFK is. It's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Oliver Stone is like the dumbest, loudest kid in your <laughs> philosophy class. <laughs> like, there's always one. That's why I find him quite distasteful. Just because, like, also a we victim of to. Russian dis- we don't disinformation. Need you to be putting this <laughs> shit out. And because sometimes you make a cool looking movie or a well made movie does not mean that he should be given all the flowers that mm. he's been given over time. Yeah. And I mean, I I don't even get it started on natural born killers. Oh, yeah. oh boy. I think this is kind of the turning point. This is the beginning of the turning point on Oliver Stone because he is he has just had an incredible run of commercially and critically successful stuff. Yeah. We talk about Wall Street, Platoon, important born on the Fourth of July. Uh, yeah, he's at the Doors, which I mean we made fun of, but it's well made, I guess. <laughs> and obviously going well into made. his uh, going into his you know obsession with like the '60s is when America changed. Okay. And the fact that he is making a movie this potentially inflammatory and is starring Kevin Costner, who is at the top of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Peak of his powers. He got he cast in this before Dances with Wolves. Whoa. And then, and then it, like right before it came out and then right like, holy shit, we have a Kevin Costner in this. He just won an Oscar. Fantastic. Yeah. So the, that it exists is kind of nuts, but we can also talk about what it does for editing in film. Mm-hmm. The editing in this is 
great. And like they, they use different size film stocks, which is another thing he does for like natural born killers here. I think it actually works because it has multiple perspectives. And so using different film stocks actually makes some sense. Yeah, the score. Wise. No one talks about the score, but you've heard it in so many trailers. It's, it sounds it's, like all of the usual suspect scores, the score. Yes, the, it actually, it does. That I didn't block. think about that. But it's, and it's John Williams who just did hook last week, which is this huge lush <laughs> orchestral thing. And he is like super rushed for time. And he comes up with this awesome freaking score. I yeah. Like, I, 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 re- I can't not recommend uh, the movie to people because it's, there's so many fun things in it, but it's just yeah. like, uh, yeah, you want to see why people don't believe anything they hear. This is part of the reason why. Mm. Is Wayne Knight in this? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> that is my favorite thing about JFK is the Seinfeld episode. That is a, yes. the remake of the scene from JFK, which I didn't even realize is a thing until Antista showed me the other night. That is one <laughs> magic loogie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear what you guys think about JFK because it's obviously an older movie. I was too young to see it when it came out, but like, you know, it never got stopped talking about when people would, even in parodies, meet a shady person. It would be a parody of Mr. X. Donald Sutherland is like a combination of like 12 fucking people to say. Yep. So it's even Oliver Stone's like, it's not the truth. It's just like, it's a bunch of stuff <laughs> that I think is really fun. I'm just saying, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just asking yeah. questions without a bow tie. Barf. Moving on to 1991 television, December 13th through doing the math real quick the 23rd uh we don't have much in television no right now. yeah i believe it um cleveland beats miami the most lopsided game in nba history oh my god i could not believe this score i have oh. never seen a score 148 to 80 wow i what i and that's the most lopsided okay it's the most lopsided because they got, you know 68 oh almost nice more but to have a losing team get 80 points is still kind of weird yeah yeah it's my it's my biggest problem with basketball as a non-sports yes. fan just it's, show me show me the last two minutes of basketball yeah. that's all because in basketball you score so many points because when you score a point and you're given the ball and given every advantage to go down to the hole and shoot it and make it it's a miracle when you don't do that when that doesn't happen is when the game is interesting because you're mm. given every opportunity to score every round or I don't like sports is what I'm saying but that means these guys got shut down and what's the opposite of dunked on rejected in their face like <laughs> the poor Miami Heat my team at this point I would go to the mall in Miami and get the heat to sign stuff for me when I was a little kid, but I don't know anything. 148 to 80. If this was a peewee basketball... Wa- I want to go look it up and watch that game, because how does this happen? If this is the most... Just, what? This is a high school basketball game. We'd be wondering why the coach of Miami didn't throw in the towel. Why do That's, that to the kids? It's worse than the Harlem Glo- Globetrotters <laughs> versus generals. the... Generals. Generals. There you go. Near and dear to my heart, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 this week introduces me to a movie... I can never forget Santa Claus conquers the Martians. And I, it's one of the things I love about the show. Misty fans like me who are like budding preteens love this episode. Whereas like boomer nerds who love weird shit also love this movie unironically because it's so fucking weird. <laughs> it is so goddamn weird. And uh, it's, it's yeah, less I boring think- than you'd think. I think this is the first one I saw where I had seen the movie regularly on TV and yeah. then it was on Mystery Science Theater. And I was like, holy shit, I've seen this. Yeah, it's like most of the stock footage in every Muppet Baby's Christmas episode. It's it, well, You'd seen the footage a lot if, if you were yeah. watching TV back in the day. That's true. Even if you hadn't seen the full movie. Martians have to kidnap Santa with a robot 
so he can bring Christmas to the children of Mars. And I, I'm not, I, I sing Hooray for Santa Claus, the unironically the theme song from this movie all the time in my head during Christmas. Whew. That is out uh. this week. No games to speak of, but we'll dig in more on that at patreon.com slash laser time. Got a bunch of fun stuff coming for you over there. Music of 1991, Michael Jackson, Black or White is still number one, but we have new releases, including Kerplunk by Green Day. I know That's Brett it. were here, one of his favorite albums, Kerplunk. I would say sort of their breakthrough. Is this what gets them signed to make Dookie? Yep. Okay, yeah, because there's there's an overlap here, and that's what we'll close out with the Kerplunk version of Welcome to Paradise, the song yep. that also appears on Dookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, stay- they re-record it, and you can hear the difference. I was kind of surprised yeah. by how much, like, oh, yeah, this does sound less professional. <laughs> <laughs> or more punk rock. What are you or doing? Or more like, punk rock. You're such a sellout. Please tell me that it's called Welcome to Paradise, Parad. Dookie version. <laughs> it's <laughs> not on the album, but uh, to Taylor true fans, Smith yes. Style. <laughs> but we'll close out with Welcome to Paradise, the first version from Green Day. But stay right there. There's so many great movies to talk about. <laughs> Hold up. What is going on there with your body hair? It's time to trim those trees. Groom Santa's beard. Deck the halls and shave the balls. Clean up Candy Cane Lane. Tidy up that elf on the shelf. Shovel some snow down below. In other words, it's time to trim the The hair hair down down there. Gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season with two Manscaped Holiday Bundles. The Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0 Luxury Grooming Gift Kit includes the following. The Lawnmower 4.0 with advanced skin-safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts. The Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant. Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner to keep your precious groin ornaments as fresh as a newly cut Christmas tree. And the Magic Mat Disposable Shaving Mats. Not to be confused with this Magic Mat. Plus, the Perfect Package 4.0 includes two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, valued at $39.99, and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxers, valued at $19.99. And if you want to go big while making certain body parts look big, upgrade to the Performance Package 4.0, which includes everything from the Perfect Package 4.0, plus the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer with proprietary skin-safe technology. It'll help you whack those nasty little weeds in your delicate holes. Manscaped also offers tons of items that would make perfect stocking stuffers, like the Crop Mop Ball Wipes, the Foot Duster Foot Deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet, or the Refined Cologne, a clean and fresh scent designed for the refined gentleman. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code LASERTIME. One word. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. This is Snow Joke. Say it loud and proud. Manscaped. Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Friends, we have said it before, but here at the Laser Time Network, we consume a lot of content for quote-unquote research purposes, especially around the holidays. But there are times when it's nearly impossible to find a particular holiday special or movie that isn't available here in the U.S. for some reason. 
That's why we couldn't be happier that NordVPN provides an easy-to-use workaround. With just one click, we can access content from 59 different countries safely and securely so we can get the games, TV shows, and movies we need to do our jobs. That also means we can access international content as soon as it's available in other countries without having to wait for it to come to the States. Can you imagine if we had access to something like this back in the 80s and 90s with Japanese game releases? Oh, man. And if you're traveling out of the country for the holidays, rest assured NordVPN will help you ensure you never miss an episode of your favorite show as soon as it airs back home. Doing some holiday shopping? You can even find discounts on games, movies, TV shows, and streaming subscriptions by taking advantage of international sales and pricing. Speaking of sales, right now, NordVPN is offering a special holiday season deal for LazerTime listeners. Go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime and use the code lasertime to get 73% off your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. This offer will not last long, so go to nordvpn.com slash lasertime and use the code lasertime. That's one word, lasertime, to get your bonus gift and up to 73% off. What are you waiting for? Do it! Coming in with How You Remind Me by Nickelback, or another Nickelback song. It's so difficult to tell, because I do believe this is the one that syncs up perfectly with their previous hit, if you put them on a timeline together. It's Wait, what ridiculous. what previous hit? This is their big breakout. What about Phronograph? No, that's that came after. Okay, so their next song will sound exactly the same as this. And also, by the way... What? I fucking love this song. Do you, whoa! Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. There no, goes... This- this song, my hand has beat the land speed record because I listen to when I do listen to the radio. It's the classic rock station, which this is on full rotation on. Yeah, and my I can break the speed of light going for that radio. All I have to hear is "Never made it as boom." I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. I can. I think I've beaten it at like three syllables. Yeah. It's just the second he starts singing, I hate this song. I am. No, I am out of there before poor man. I'm Steven. not saying it's good. Okay. I'm just saying I love it. I fucking love this song. Yeah. I mean, that part where, like, the music stops, and he's like, hur, 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 hur. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Diane, you're the one who likes all stars. I am not being sarcastic in any way, by the way. The other day, or the other day, a couple years ago, I was driving in a car with a new friend, and we had just, like, started to get to know each other, and she and I were, like, coming back from lunch. And she had the radio on. I never listened to the radio. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. And the song came on and she and I just were like sitting in silence. And we were just kind of like side-eying each other. And then I was like, I kind of love this song. And she was like, I love this song too. And it was like two sisters meeting each other. Like we were finally able to admit it to someone that we was, actually like this song. It's a beautiful moment. I was wondering who did. That's It's nice to know. It was me. Yeah. Somebody, uh, yeah. I mean, it makes it to number one and it sticks around for a while. And I don't, I can't tell you why I don't like it because like all the elements are there for a rock song exactly. I like. Exactly. It's ineffable. I, I think it's like the forced sincerity of it. Like it really is acting like this is an important thing to say to the world. I'm like, oh, shut up, Chad. It's, but it's, that's true for so much music, though. I know. Like, but it's, this is also a, a style of music that is derivative of a style of music that was popular seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. 
like, I'm, 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 so much music, though. I, I may have even been culpable as one of those people who made an identity out of hating Nickelback, and I think that's mm-hmm. dumb. There are way more problems in the world than a band you don't like, but this song is terrible. No, <laughs> objectively terrible. I'm just saying that I think Nickelback is the Paul Blart mall cop of music. Like that it's like it's 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 a punchline, but nobody really knows why anymore. Maybe? No, no, I just gave you a couple examples, but it's okay, Sarah. Did you? Yes, it sounds exactly like all their other songs. It's derivative of a style that was popular, but didn't get to Canada somehow until like a 2000, 2001. Some uh, of our greatest yeah. musicians have come from Canada. It's one of the worst goatees I've ever seen, but you know, I do like the photograph yeah. meme. That's fun. The photograph. Yeah, look at that graph. Mm-hmm. Look at that graph. <laughs> look at this graph. Uh, welcome to 2001, everyone. Awesome. December 17th to the 23rd. He's with Avril Lavigne. Like, how could, what could be any more perfect than that? That That's was so Canadian. I know, right? That was one of my favorite tweets of all time. Avril Lavigne and Chad Kroger have announced their engagements. Uh, instead of sending gifts, they ask that you please don't laugh at them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm so happy these millionaires found love, you guys. Yeah. I think they're divorced. But uh, welcome to the 2001, December 17th to the 23rd. New releases include Doggy Bag by Lil Bow Wow. That's out this week. Uh, Game Face by Master P. Uh, Iron Flag by Wu-Tang. And Stillmatic, Stillmatic by Nas is out this late in the year? Oh, my God. Really? Right. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, why, why is all of this good hip-hop getting dropped Right at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Seems, I don't. I don't it's almost all Christmas. This. Is I mean, are we getting into the? <clears throat> we might be getting into the thing of like, we want your gift card money. Mayhaps, mayhaps. Oh my God, I have to pronounce this. Diana, you do it. <laughs> News, two thousand one. I, I have just started putting in foreign names as much yeah, as possible just to screw with you. And and to be nice, like you know, this guy had a job and uh, I was Burhanuddin Rabani. Oh, I could have done there that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the political leader of the Afghan Northern Alliance hands over power in Afghanistan to the interim government led by President Hamid Karzai. Mm. So we won Afghanistan, everybody, Boop. and everything was fine. Shout out to my Good boy job. HK. Mission accomplished. Yay! Um, but the bigger news now. I mean, the, the oh my god, twenty years of war in Afghanistan has been one thing, but twenty years of taking my motherfucking shoes off. Fucking airport. I, uh-huh. I think we forget there was two months after 9-11 where you didn't do that, and it was the fault of this asshole, Richard Reed. He attempts to destroy a passenger airline by igniting explosives hidden in his shoes aboard an American Airlines flight. And to this day, everyone has to smell my socks It's whenever I fly. It's not cool. I did have the wonderful experience of actually flying a plane this weekend and realized Ooh. I usually don't wear shoes so because I, I hate this process so much I like wear sandals or something kick them off and i'm like you know in a cycle of compressed air and i'm like I'm a two-person plane can i kick off my shoes <laughs> i have my shoes off right now it's difficult because you want to have a shoe that's easy to take off and put back on mm-hmm. and yet a sandal in an airport or an yeah, airplane is i get horrific. it I, I, usually it's like a van slip-on but like if they've gotten a little that's too stinky like I, mm. you can't wear your comfy shoes because those are the ones that, for some reason, like my fucking foul odor increases a billion fold in a plane. I know I'm not the only one. I never feel filthier mm-hmm. than after like a cross country flight. Well, and what's also, also difficult is that generally I want to wear my most complicated shoe because yes. it takes up the most room in my suitcase. Exactly. And yet, what am I going to do? I couldn't. Not a boy problem. New York. <laughs> I could not take my docs with me because I. I mean. I'm not going to pack in my suitcase. That's half my suitcase. Yeah. But I'm not going to wear them through the security line. That's going to keep me delayed for a long time. 
Exactly. Buckles? Come on. Yeah. If you got hiking shoes, you want to wear like your Timberlands or something. Yeah. No, you can't. You have to pack them and they take up too much space. It sucks. This is... I've never heard this before. I I feel like this is a wonderful new lady problem. I've never even referred to a shoe as my most complicated. Never end the lady problem. I mean, a lady problem, but like I said, like if you got hiking boots, no, I've done that. Like steel toes or something. I I wear I wear my but you can't. I wear my jacket through security, so I don't have to pack it because my jacket's usually my biggest garment of clothing. Uh But I just want to ask the men out there: What's your most complicated shoe? Write in thirty (laughs) twenty ten. Uh, P.O. Box. No. Uh, but all right, moving on to the movies. Yeah. But anyway, oh. uh, Richard Reed is in the Supermax prison in Colorado forever, along with folks like Fuck. Ted Kaczynski and Eric Rudolph. And I'm sure they have real fun conversations. Yeah, I, w- I would say that sounds yeah. like a lot of time, but uh, I'm still mad I'm at really, him. I want to know more. I I'm, There's got to be books out there about the Supermax because it's fucking America's Arkham Asylum. And I want to hear about it. <laughs> Sad Arkham Asylum. What do they Asylum. talk about? Probably JFK. Uh, <laughs> Probably the new book club pick, Jonathan Franzen's new <laughs> movie. Movies of 2001, December 17th to the 23rd. The Business of Strangers, Julia Stiles, Stalker Channing, and uh, Marcus Giamatti. There's another Giamatti. What? I don't know if it's a related Giamatti. Oh, God damn it. I should look this myself. up. Now, I was going to blow past this and then found out something really interesting about it. So it's about Stalker Channing is like a high-powered lady business lady and julia styles is like her assistant and they're stuck because of plane problems probably because of richard reed and his fucking shoes and they have like this combative relationship but then there's this other guy they work with shows up and julia styles is like hey stalker channing that guy raped my friend and they're like oh i don't know if we should trust him and by the end of it they have him unconscious and they write rapist pig on his chest this is going to come up again on this show very interesting the Hmm. synergies Synergy. Uh, speaking of synergy, nothing like the synergy between Method Man and Red Man. Uh, <sighs> and their ghost friend. And uh, their ghost friend, whose ashes they smoke <laughs> and how high in order to pass the test to get into Harvard. It's just one test, right? Uh, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon passed it. I was not expecting the synopsis of this to go where it went. I really <laughs> thought it was just going to be like Up in Smoke or something, because it's a stoner comedy. And But no, it's about how they spread their ashes on their weed plant and then when they smoke it they can see their friend Mm -hmm. a ghost who gives them all the answers for standardized tests and quizzes and stuff so they go to harvard (laughs) yeah (laughs) what the fuck i i I would like to watch i I didn't bother there's too much to watch this week but i've seen it but you know what you know with that like Dude, where's my car? Kind of thing. And when I watch Dude, where's my car? I'm like, that's fun. I'm sorry. I should have. Get... And then if you haven't seen Jane Silent Bob reboot, they pray to Method Man, Red Man from this movie, and who eventually show up to give them advice, similar oh. to their friend. Yeah, this this is one of those where it's like I I didn't have time to watch it. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but this one is where like the Rotten Tomatoes is like 20 percent, and like the audience score is like 80 yeah. percent. Nice. It, and it, so that generally means it is a movie that is really stupid but funny. Yeah. yeah. And I'm okay with that. And it has a sequel with uh, DJ Youngfly and Little Yachty. Uh, yeah. yeah, right now. Get it wherever uh, you get MTV movies. And I have no idea where that would be. Probably Paramount Plus. Also <laughs> out this week, Hayden Penetier, Patrick Warburton, Kelly Lynch, Julie Bowen, James Belushi, Tim Allen, Joe Somebody. Joe Somebody. <sighs> you know you gotta Joe Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even get through Man, this is uh, the one I've always wanted to see because everyone's <laughs> like, this movie sucks, but mm. Tim Allen stretches. And like, it's, I yeah. had no idea. Tim Allen can do other things. And is this I, a movie I with a gorilla in it? I think that's big no. trouble. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I think so. I don't know. 
Yeah. Now, this has a terrible reputation. They released it at the wrong time because it gets absolutely demolished at the box office. Nobody oh, yeah. likes it. Nobody sees it. Uh, yeah, critics don't like it. But I'll, just about every review I read is like, yeah, but Tim Allen is branching out. Like he, yeah, man. there's there's a real charm to him that he's he's showing in in a new way, and that's kind of a bummer because it's just about he's a guy who works at a big corporate office and like Patrick Warburton's bullying him. Mm-hmm. And he decides, like, I'm going to fight back. All right, you and me, schoolyard, we're going to have a fight. And, like, you know, other co-workers and the girl he likes telling him, like, fucking don't do that. That's your goddamn adults. He's like, <laughs> no, I'm going to go to, like, Kung Fu Master Jim Belushi's place and learn how to fight. Ugh, like, Jim Belushi. Okay. I sometimes think him and Tim okay. are the same person, but apparently. Point of order. What? Mm. I will not hear any more Jim Belushi degradation. In yeah. this podcast, spoken because like let me tell you this. any but someone no who's never watched a in this podcastery. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> exactly. Look, I know you have your issues with him. We've discussed this, but Jim Belushi is actually very, very involved with the Last Prisoner Project, which is a very okay. important organization dedicated to freeing people who are still in prison for cannabis for having, you know holding uh, weed on them and going to prison for it. And he's very involved with that whole organization and trying to uh, decarcerate people. And so I think that we need to do a hiatus on talking shit about him. I, mean, I don't think he's a bad guy. And I don't think he's that, again, whatever. Did I, whatever, did I say much. something mean about him? Whatever. I'm not talking to Diana. I was talking I, he to plays a kung fu master, which does sound kind of funny. I, what, I whatever keeps him off. Out of mouth. Whatever Gosh. keeps him off the House of Blues stage and blowing into harmonicas and pissing in the open <laughs> mouth of his brother's grave. Great. <laughs> so I hear he started a weed farm and he's got some good causes. Awesome. Good for the Belouche. Glad, glad we got that one to live with. Seeing the open mouth as brothers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, you haven't seen Blues Brothers two thousand, or a single episode of According to Jim. But have you? <laughs> Maybe. But, <laughs> of course, I have. I have an antenna television. Trying. I meant to rewatch this one because I both love this and hated it. Oh uh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm very interested to hear y'all's opinions about this. James Whitmore, Martin Landau, Jim Carrey in The Majestic. What happened to you, son? Once upon a time, a stranger came to town. You seem a odd bit familiar. I don't even know who I am. Only to discover he might not be such a stranger after all. It's Luke! You are my son. From the director of The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile. Who are you really? Just a guy trying to figure things out. Jim Carrey. Do you remember me? No, I'll sure try. The Majestic, rated PG. Uh, it's a Frank Capra movie. Yeah, that's why, you know who I remember loving this? My grandfather. Right. Mm-hmm. Fucking loved it. Yep, it's a straight up Frank Capra style movie where Jim Carrey is a screenwriter who got blacklisted and then he has a car accident and he gets amnesia and he ends up in this small town where they think he's this guy who went MIA during World War II. Mm-hmm. And he just assumes, okay, maybe I am. And he just kind of plays along. And... If you want to see Jim Carrey teary-eyed staring into a camera and being, like, wistful, this is the movie for you! Yeah, it really was that time where Jim Carrey wants to branch out of comedies, and it's just like, this? Like, no one wanted to see him in this. Hmm. Nah. And, and and I do wonder if it would have been better received. If any, but he's not bad in the movie. No. No one, no one's bad he's in it. Literally it's... not bad at things. He just... <laughs> yeah, it just is so gooey and sentimental. Good Lord. But I mean, that's Capra, right? Yep. 
Capricorn. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what they called it, Capricorn. Oh my God, that's. Hilarious. Yeah, and I was confused because it's, it's Darabont's first non-Stephen King adaptation, which he would go back to for The Mist. But it, yep. it feels like it's set, it's a Castle Rock film, <laughs> mm. and it feels like it's set in the same universe very much. Yeah, it like I I give him credit for trying for something so incredibly old fashioned, mm-hmm. and to you know release that during the holidays that seems like a decent idea. Of course, this mm-hmm. just gets crushed by everyone. No one really has anything nice to say about it. It, it kind of fucks up Darabont's career a little bit, and it sucks because I mean they mentioned Green Mile and Shawshank where yeah. he can balance sentiment without getting treacly, and here he's just like he's lost that ability. Yeah. Ugh. But uh, you have I think you have to see it as counter-programming for the next two films you know yeah i guess it's it's a grown-up film for grown-ups yeah grown-up films for grown-ups because um hmm. oh jimmy jimmy this week rob paulson martin short again Yay. patrick stewart debbie derryberry that's i love that name uh love that Mark name. DiCarlo, megan cavanaugh it's jimmy neutron boy genius the movie our parents have been kidnapped by Okay, that gives us about two days to build our fleet of interstellar warships. Any questions? Yeah! Here we go! Here we go! From Paramount Pictures and Nickelodeon Movies. Hang on, everyone! Get ready to blast. If we blow up, whatever's left of me is kicking your butt. God damn it. We should have like a resident like Xennial or something to come in and talk about stuff. <laughs> like, well, actually, it's like 20 years old. Holy shit. But yeah, the only thing I know about Jimmy Neutron is that on a good bad hair day, my hair ends up looking like Jimmy Neutron's hair. <laughs> <laughs> on a bad bad hair day, I look like Matt Gates. So really, oh, yeah. like Beavis and Butthead had a baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. I hate how much I like every time I see Jimmy Neutron. I'm just like, ugh. But, but I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I'm I'm the, as your 30 2010 host of you don't know. I'll watch any SpongeBob anytime. I still watch things on Cartoon Network to this day. But this is an ugly fucking show. Oh <laughs> and it was, man, it, it was on I, at a time when I was, you know, I'm 21. I'm not watching Nickelodeon, dude. I I tried to back to back a movie, an animated movie we have from 2011, which is Mo Captain Beautiful, mm-hmm. and I watched that, and then I went straight into this, and I I think I had a stroke. Yeah, this because this is. Even for 2001, we've we've talked about Shrek and we've talked about Monsters, Inc. Yeah, for dude. 2001, this is TV-level animation at best. Pixar exists. And You're supposed to up the budget of your theatrical movie, and this well, doesn't look like it at all. It turns out that's why. It's because the plan was that it would be a show, and they figured if we make a movie, then we'll have all the assets left over to make the show easier and cheaper. Oh, my God. And that's pretty smart. So this is Nickelodeon's first original animated property because they already did some Rugrats movies and it looks very strange it's very plasticky and weird shapes and like no textures odd shadowing it's like ugh, artifacting it looks awful but content wise it was pretty fun but it's for little kids yeah Mm. It was it was not one like Monster Inc. where oh and the parents can watch too. It's like no, this is you put the you put it on and you walk away. I know. Did this start as a book series though? No, nope. I, I thought it oh, may have started okay. as it may have started as shorts on Nickelodeon. So I was still yeah, tuning into. I think that's it. Okay. SpongeBob here and there. I just I've never seen the show. I've never seen the movie, and I've always found it kind of irritating when I go to Walmart and buy like Nicktoon pants and like why is this asshole on here or the the ride at Universal like. 
I want to ride through Jimmy Jimmy Neutron's world. <laughs> Just take me straight to SpongeBobbery. I'll, I'll go to the Rugrats yeah, house first. No, still, I mean, it, it's a movie. It gets nominated for the first animated feature Oscar because they need a third. <laughs> and that's kind of the only reason. Sorry. But, like, yeah, it does okay. And then it runs, the show runs for three seasons and people like it. Yeah, I'm just wait. I'm too old for this to yeah, really. I'm too, I'm too old to weigh in on this in any way. Yeah, I feel bad. I try. I try to watch it, and I was like, "Oh, this is cute." Because but I, it's for babies. I would say parents may have been afraid to take their children to the number one movie at the box office this week until yeah. next week, <laughs> which is like you got to take him to see it anyway. Fuck that Jimmy Neutron guy. Yeah, but you get like a six year old. I would not be taking him to this next movie. You don't think mm-hmm. too I mean, much scary. It's too damn long it's for a six year old. They're they're making monsters out of goo. I could not be happier to talk about man, Hugo mm-hmm. Weaving, Scene Bean, uh Sean Bean, Liv Sean Tyler, Bond. uh Ian Holm, John Reese Davies, Orlando Bloom, Viggo Mortensen, Sean Astin, Ian McKellen, Elijah Wood. <sighs> Number one of the box office this week. It is newly the- added to the National Film Registry. Yeah. So now it is only the second movie from 2001. Finally, just Shrek by itself is not the representative <laughs> of this year. Far hard 911. Wow. Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. The Ring of Power. It has been found. Sauron needs only this ring to enslave the world. It must be destroyed in the fires of Mount Doom. Strangers from distant lands, you will unite or you will fall. You have my soul. And you have my bow. And my axe. This task was appointed to you. And if you do not find a way, no one will. The Lord of the Rings, directed by Peter Jackson. Rated P- oh. oh, fuck. Left out Kate Blanchett and Christopher Ooh. Lee and Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan and Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis. Oh, my God. What about Farmer Maggot? Is he in there somewhere? Oh, it's a character. I, I Like I said before, I was re-watching the theatrical release in chunks because I knew it would be hard to get in all at once. And I finally finished it in one large chunk and went straight into the fucking extended cut. Cause it's yeah. just, I haven't watched these movies since I saw the Hobbit movies and Same. I dislike those movies so much. I was confused as to why I ever, ever liked this series. Same. And, and I, the same uh, thing happened to me. Yeah. Oh, just ugh, excruciating. Such a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Pointless, overly long action sequences. And because of that, you will you will feel the first movie, every mo- every one of these movies, I think they start filming in 99 and then film for a year until December 2000. Every mm. one of these movies has the, the luxury of a year of post-production or more. Yep. And the but the first movie is like the smallest movie. It is mm-hmm. but it's beautiful. Like you, I feel like I just remembered like thousands of orcs and Hundreds of horses and like not in this one. Like it's nope. it's very small compared to what what comes in the next two. And I'd totally forgotten about that, and that just makes it feel more uh, intimate. And there, hmm. there are things that are beautiful in this, but I would temper your expectations. Th- there's dear oh, readers. I, it I is there are some there's some technology issues. Let's just say that make it look. There are a couple of uh, I got in there. I got yeah. the 4K Blu-rays and I'm watching it on a on a larger screen than I've ever had. And there's a couple sequences when the humans interact with an all fake environment. 
Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. whoa, that does that looks very fucking yeah. uh, Tim and Eric. That doesn't age well. And, but Peter Jackson was like, "We're we're upraising these. I'm not going to change anything. Uh, I'm not going to like. We're just. Mm-hmm. I'll deal with some colors, but I'm not going to make new scenes. And he clearly didn't. But then, mm-hmm. like, good. I'm not mad. Outdoor it. shots. The CG or the models are the objects or the uh, the statues or the castle. Mm-hmm. It still looks amazing. And that that yeah. like all of this. My my parents went to uh, New Zealand, and that all these most a lot of these sets are still standing, and you can visit and touch them, and they're elaborate and huge. Like the Shire, the Shire is oh, one of yeah. the coolest opening sequences ever. All the stuff that's real and practical, the sets, like a lot of the makeup, the wig work, mm-hmm. <laughs> those wigs, y'all, uh, looks great. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's just some technology deficits there's, that yeah. look a little corny, and also like, like what though? Uh, what, what 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 do you got? What, like any other examples specifically? I, I'm well, I don't know. I I'm not the person to ask for that. But you know, there's like so many scenes where you can see like the outline around someone. Like oh. this is not real behind them at all. Yeah, or, it it feels like they're standing in front of the scenery instead of yeah. in the scenery. Yeah, yeah, I I I I watch this on a very large screen. Mm-hmm. to rewatch it and it's been a long mm-hmm. time and every for every one of those where i was sort of like that background's not real i was also constantly trying to figure out okay where is elijah wood actually standing yeah. to look that size and that is, that the, it is impressive the, that is astounding i mean sam and i talked about that through most of the movie how did they do this how yes. did they make him look so teeny that there's still all these how did they, like i not only said how how did they do this and like why did you do this? At this point, I hadn't read the books. You could have just had a slightly smaller actor, but no, they no. keep... There's all these shots of them running around, and Peter Jackson's adamant, like, a dwarf is twi- slightly bigger than a hobbit, and uh, the, the yeah. magician is Hobbits are about bigger. three feet tall. And it's like... And what? so they're force perspectiveing everything, what where it's like Ian work? Holm is pouring tea for Ian McKellen, but he's actually across the room. Yeah. yeah. But it's done so well, you can't tell. Yeah. It's, it's I think, my theory... Mm-hmm. I'm just coming off of someone who just recently watched this, but is that it's important to show how tiny they are because this is a movie about bravery and Mm -hmm. about being scared and doing it anyways. And when you show how small these characters are and compared to their compatriots, compared to their enemies, it emphasizes that thing where it doesn't matter your size. You know, it's, it's ultimately a movie about bravery and, I don't know. I just absolutely I, re-fell I this, in love with this movie again. Too. I've been going I, I had the same thing written down because every time Marin and Pippin are all, like, they're about to get attacked, the hobbits just draw their swords anyway. Like, all right, yeah. let's go down. Let's do I, this. I've been going, personally, I've been going through a really tough time in my life and I've had to do a lot of things that have been unpleasant. And this movie, rewatching this movie right now has been a huge comfort to me. And I realize now why Sarah, Sarah so just won people... the squid game everyone by the way that's <laughs> y'all it has some drawbacks <laughs> <laughs> but I realize why so many people look to the books and the movie as a source of comfort because it really is a movie about being scared but you do it anyways mm-hmm. and you know sometimes like crying but you still have to do it anyways and then you can have breakfast again <laughs> like <laughs> it's kind of all my favorite things and it really makes me feel like I'm deeply a hobbit at heart because I do love my little cozy house and I do love eating multiple meals but when the shit hits the fan I'm gonna be scared but I'm gonna do it anyways yep. yeah yeah I, mean, I, love that. That, that, I, I like your hard. appraisal there and it's but it's also like another pin in the cap of it's it's just this 
wonderful respect and love for the subject matter mm-hmm. to where like he's just like no nah, i'm not going to change anything from the descriptions i don't i'm not going to make the hobbits normal that's one of the things you lose in the stupid hobbit movie they're all hobbits so everyone yeah. looks like dudes yeah mm. well i this is now here's here's why i uh, fellowship has always been my favorite really? of the original trilogy because it has the most ground to cover it has to set yeah. up all of these kinds of people not not mm-hmm. just people but kinds of people mm-hmm. elves and hobbits and men and the wizards and uh, all they have to set up the entire universe what the stakes are all this mythology stuff all of the characters and make us care and then make us care like as things start to go wrong they, they have so much unpacking yeah. to do and i was like stopping it every now and then to be like how long till we hit the road how long until this happens how and it's just they you know i've been complaining about like twilight breaking dong part one or even Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone about how those are bad adaptations because they are just literal. They made so many smart choices yeah. in this. And yet getting rid of Tom Bombadil is like number one. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Fuck that guy. If I, I, he takes all the stakes out of everything. Everyone hates me talking about this. I was uh, a huge reader at the time, like reading multiple books a week. And then Sam, I think, dragged me. I, I, had, I wasn't going to go to this at all. I'm not much of a fantasy guy. And mm-hmm. uh, Sarah's husband just like, dude, I saw this movie last that came out last week. You have to see it. And I love that. It feels so old timey. Like, I'm gonna go see it too for the mm. second time, two hour, two and a half, three hours with you. Three. You're gonna love it. And he was right. And I remember talking to people because I'm in the middle of all these books. Like, should I read the books? I'm like, eh, just wait until the the movie the movies are only gonna it'll only be another two years. So wait until the movies are done and then you can read the books. And I did. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a paraphrase Sarah gobbledygook. And in like incomprehensible yeah. and like it contradicts itself and like yeah. is isn't isn't yeah. isn't the there was nothing's not great. To, to like, the like there's nothing, building's really good. Yeah, there's nothing else like it. I'm I get that, but just like it is one of the best adaptations I've ever seen because of how much it condenses and what it, it knows that it's need it needs and what it doesn't need. And it yeah. can combine I think Arwen gets a shitload more to do rather than yeah. reintroduce a character to do nothing in a book yeah, for one exactly. scene. Well, why don't we take a couple of characters and then we put them all together and now they ha- now they are a character instead of, oh, and that guy was there too. Yeah. So, yeah. Who's that guy? It doesn't matter. Look, the, the Tolkien source material is... I love The Hobbit. I love The Hobbit. Yeah, which is like bizarre that the movie adaptation, it's not bizarre. They tried to turn money. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. annoying. But yes, so I've read them all. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's gobbledygook. I remember when my stepson was reading them and we, I would be driving him to school and he'd be reading in the back. And then he would say, he would ask me what a word meant. And I would say, okay, well, read me the whole sentence. And then he would have to read me like a whole Hobbit song that's in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. songs. bullshit from a hobbit song like, I, I don't, I don't just keep going i don't mean to shit on it but like after i watched the series I, I read in one like almost two sittings the entire thing i'm like fuck i really prefer the movies yeah and and the movies so i, I hate bringing up marvel because there's, there's i feel like there should be better comparisons but i don't know of anything like the whole world regarded as unfilmable mm-hmm. and and lord of the rings had been caught in this like awkward limbo and mm-hmm. had a I love the hobbit animated film from rankin bass from 77 mm-hmm. uh the mm-hmm. actually one less less so yeah. but that's yeah. that, that's where they thought the only way you could adapt these and it was peter jackson gets a little heat on him and with a little uh what do you call that one of the the nicer stories about harvey weinstein being a piece of shit i, mm-hmm. I for, i'm trying to remember what movie it was but he wanted peter jackson to direct this movie and 
you know, if you've heard us talk about him in overnight, Harvey Weinstein will throw $20 million at a problem to get exactly what he wants. And he had no intention of making Lord of the Rings. But Peter Jackson wanted to make it, and he wanted him to make this other movie. So he's like, I'll buy the rights to your stupid books. Uh, make it two movies, and then we'll make a Pobbit prequel later. You know what? Never mind. Make it one movie. I want one Lord of the Rings Ugh. trilogy movie, and or I'm going to hire Quentin Tarantino. These are like literally things Harvey Weinstein did, and then eventually it went to turn around. New Line picked it up, and I... I like making the comparison. New Line, who had experience bringing out annual movies, thanks to Freddy Krueger. I was going to say <laughs> New Line. The fact that it's New Line behind this, yep. which was literally known as it's it's a mini major. That they called it the House of Freddy Krueger. Bill, yep. the house that uh, released and re-released John Waters' Pink Flamingos and Reefer Madness before that. Like uh, yep. it, it'll it'll get tucked into the Warner Brothers HBO Max thing. But like this is, I like thinking of it as a New Line joint. Remind mm-hmm. me of what he. Uh, Peter Jackson was coming off of at this point because this is the first the time I had Frighteners, heard of Peter but like he had done uh, Frighteners and Heavenly Creatures. Heavenly Creatures yeah. was his big breakthrough yeah. thing. Everything else, Sarah, you should see. Meet the Feebles, Bad Taste, <laughs> Dead Alive. You're gonna love it. Dead Alive, I've seen. Yeah, um, yeah. That's why this seems like such a ridiculous gamble. It's like, okay, this guy knows how to work with effects based on the Frighteners, but those effects compared to these effects mm-hmm. are pretty small and. Does he know how to do action sequences? Because that's the other thing that keeps this moving compared to the book is action is spaced out very nicely. Right. It never gets too slow. Even when they're just talking, something will happen to make you like worried for their safety. And even when they're just know? fucking walking, man. Like, no, that's a helicopter soaring over like eight horses. That looks cool as shit to this day. Mm-hmm. It still looks great. Yeah. And- yeah. There's... Do you remember when Avatar came out and yes. there were there were these like hysterical re- reports about people who were suffering from suffering from the psychological trauma because they wanted to live in Avatar world so what? bad they were so obsessed <laughs> with it. Do you remember that? Plant. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, I watching Lord of the Rings. I just can't help but think that people had to suffer that after watching this because mm-hmm. it is. So gorgeous. I think that's so that's the that's a little. I want to go to there. <laughs> one of those. It, it's it's good casting in terms of location or location scouting, if you want to call it that. But it's just like it is kind of the secret sauce to this movie. And Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. it was the secret sauce to a couple of his movies. It mm-hmm. looks so otherworldly because mm-hmm. New Zealand is otherworldly. Mm-hmm. It has mm-hmm. all of these environments under one weird island and two, uh, two, two weird islands. <laughs> two weird islands. Yeah, and, very creatively called North Island and South Island. boy. Hmm, I don't get it. Don't name it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I remember reading about these books and never being that interested in just to watch this become an overnight phenomenon. Again, I, we didn't say that a gamble from New Line, like, all right, we're going to give you a little more and you'll get a year to film and you can make these into three movies. I'm not sure what other production has done that since then. Marvel has people signed under contract, but it's not the whole cast. Yeah, and it's not back to back. Back to to back back to back to back. We're going to keep filming. And and, 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 and it's shot for a year, and all of the cast flew back every year for reshoots. So they spent, like, the better part of three years in New Zealand. Mm. And Mm -hmm. it's... I, I know you. Everyone knows that story. They all have tattoos together. They're all good friends. It, I love that. There's nothing. <laughs> I I don't know. It, like I I know I said this about the Matrix, but it does feel like my generation Star Wars, and it just mm-hmm. as a, mm-hmm. other than the Hobbit trilogy, which I want to learn to appreciate. I don't want to be prequel trilogy about that, but because I can't articulate exactly why I find that so distasteful. Other than the Hobbit is such this light, brisk book 
that you turn into 10 hours of movie. Holy yeah. fuck. That is, that is, I don't love Peter Jackson as a filmmaker because he is that was That was a money long. thing. His shit is long. That was a money he, thing. He is, the words I'm looking for are self-indulgent. Yes. He, that is, oh. he is very, very self-indulgent. The, you know, the extended cuts on these are very self-indulgent. Same with King Kong. Same with Get Back, but I don't care, bitches. No, yes. so. no, no that, was, that, was, that was, that was, that was, Gilmer Del Toro was supposed to make that, then MGM kept going through bankruptcy and he's like, if these movies don't get made, you'll lose a ton of money. He's like, all right, fine, I'll direct them. And then he's like, if we do a third, you'll make, you know, 30% more money. He's like, all right. And yeah. that wasn't happening under the original plan, but Peter Jackson. I would have loved to see what Del Toro did with this, though. Me too. Yes. It would have been, the orcs really would be giving people nightmares, though. Me it too. Would, I'm, I'm imagining a vast field of the pale man from Pan's Labyrinth, just thousands of them. Oh, and God. I wet myself. But this yeah. is, it's a absolute marvel of practical effects. Like, oh. If you have the DVDs, the special features I've watched over and over again. Oh, there's so many good special features. And and that that just that opening shot when Frodo jumps in the carriage with Gandalf and like that's Ian McKellen on an in, imperceivable lift pushed like ten feet out in front of Elijah Wood. <laughs> Not ten yeah. feet, but like to make it look like he's much smaller, they have to match eye lines. And then in addition to that, Peter Jackson has formed Weta Studios and is pioneering motion capture technology, which for I think in most of our opinions, will go on to help the world create better CG characters who had yes. at this point looked awkward and weird and dumb. And yeah. I think we get the first true CGI character performance in one year when we get no, to it's, two it's, towers. It's, it's, the troll is a, a is a motion captured character in this. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. I didn't know. So it's, it's, it's happening. But I'm thinking like, yeah, a performance like Gollum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see him a little bit here, but yeah. Gollum. It is a that's an actual performance right. in Two Towers. Like he is a real character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and this yeah. we'll talk about all several of those factors again in, in the next segment. I also I have to say that I just coincidentally watched rewatched this for the show. Was so pleasantly surprised by it, and I'm also at the same time rereading The Eye of the World because I've been dying to watch the new wheel of time series but i really wanted to go back to the eye of the world before i had a chance to do that and it is so fun to pair these two together to see how much tolkien has influenced yeah. fantasy writing i mean oh, robert yeah. jordan is like you know our big modern fantasy writer that everybody goes to and everybody knows their name knows his name but if you read the eye of the world i mean even in the first hundred pages i'm like oh this is tolkien this is just tolkien like he's he totally yeah. fit his style but in the best way so it was a really fun pairing if you want to oh, have a nice book and movie pairing together. you know that's that's an interesting point because as we've talked about so much of the 90s fantasy as a genre was fucking dead in the yeah. 90s we have talked wow, about none yeah. Yeah, and it's the the one-two punch of harry potter and lord of the rings bringing oh, it back and now we have mm -hmm. tons of fantasy movies but yeah i went through the 90s looking for like what's a fantasy movie so, okay dragon heart okay but yeah. like death becomes her is technically the 13th warrior like <laughs> yeah we don't have movies with like magic in them yeah. and yeah. fortunately no prophecies because i hate prophecies in movies but it, I hadn't, I thought about, oh, that's the one-two punch that brings fantasy back to the movie theaters, but I, I didn't think that, like, no, but The Lord of the Rings is, like, the ur-fantasy novel. It's yeah. where, it's, like, the first one where everyone takes from it, the idea of elves are like this, and dwarves are like that, and mm -hmm. magic rings do this, and, mm -hmm. like, yeah, and oh, it's, shit. It's, uh, it's just so wonderful, and everything, I wasn't alive when Star Wars or Empire came out, and, mm. but I was alive for all of these, and 
whenever I hear, I, I feel the same way when people talk about Star Wars, about, about my experience with Lord of the Rings. Just like making you want to mm-hmm. make films, making you want to see more film. Why aren't more films like this? Oh my God, yeah. those that effects is mind-blowing. How the fuck did they do that? Which is something you say less and less nowadays. Like how mm. the fuck did they do that? And Watching it feels like an event. And I also, yeah. I, I love, uh, if you've been listening to Sega Star Wars, it, George Lucas basically wrote Star Wars because he wanted to get the rights to Flash Gordon and he was told to fuck off. It's like, yeah. I'll make my own. And that's <laughs> also why we have Willow because he tried to get the Lord of the Rings oh. rights. And he's like, well, I'll make my own Lord of the Rings. And he, and he did. Yeah, that's <laughs> also, that totally fits into, the, oh my, I, somehow I never realized, oh, those guys are just hobbits. Yeah, yeah. Shit. That's what he's doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is just happening on the other side of the Shire. Forget it. Also, I have to say, of course, of course, great release time for the holidays. Now, mm-hmm. these movies are indelible, indelible Christmas movies, I yeah. think, for a lot of people, including myself, because it is so good, because it's an epic movie. Everyone can watch it together as a family, and yet they still feel very cozy. Mm. And so it's kind of the perfect holiday season movie to watch. Blood and, uh, bloodless violence, which America's decided is okay. And yep. not that I give a shit. I, I fucking, I, I like it more violent. And I just, I haven't really had the experience to watch it with like a surround sound system. And I now don't live in a small apartment on top of eight small apartments. I cranked that shit up yes. as high as it could go. And oh, I don't the know, like, Howard Shore score, Is the Howard baby. Shore Woo. score one of the best? Like, even when like, I know this isn't that exciting, but brum, 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 like this is making everything a thousand times better. It's one of the best scores I've ever heard. And by the end of, this screening, I was in tears and like popping in the extended edition. Like, let's see how this does. I couldn't I have been happier with it. My my final word as an endorsement. So I read the books as a kid. I think I got part of the way through when I was just like, oh, enough. Mm-hmm. I can't. And I've never been a big sword and sorceries fan. Just just not. And I was like, I'm curious to see what this is about. But my husband's read the books and he was super, super pumped. And I was like, I will give the first one a try. And if I don't like the first one, you're on your own. But I'm curious because mm. I like I like beautiful creatures, like other stuff Peter Jackson's done. But I just can't with the oh, it's the one who's foretold, and now he has to go on the hero's journey. They don't boring. know that yet. That's why Gandalf runs off of the ring for seventeen, a thousand years, like all yeah, these all like these things years. they don't establish. Uh, and then and then I was like, by the time the movie is over, I'm like, I am going to own all of these on DVD and whatever comes after DVD. And now I do because like this actually makes it appeal to people like me who don't like fantasy even mm. though it is so fantasy yeah it's like yeah you can just watch I'm it the same and just way. have fun it was, it was kind of a gateway for me it's what got me reading game of thrones before there was a tv mm-hmm. show and yeah it's probably just like what how got, the, got game of thrones greenlit how yeah. the books uh you know are a gateway for like the all of fantasy as a genre really mm-hmm. and also it uh, i mean casting wise though yeah. it makes me happy that so many kids like love ian holm now yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it's also a meme machine. It's a meme machine. Yeah. But Which is like great. Vigo Mortensen and Orlando Bloom both put them on the map. They're Ian t- McKellen underlined that mm-hmm. he is on the map. Yeah. Uh, Ian McKellen the year is- that Hugo Weaving is having yeah. or the Damn. couple of years. I mean, um, yes. he's also like the re- like Hugo Weaving's not in the new Matrix movie. I'm like, why? Scheduling conflict. I'm like, then don't make it. Why don't you just yeah. not make it? Like, if you don't have Hugo weaving, like, weaving up to? just don't do it. Like, one of the Wachowskis doesn't want to do it anyway. Just don't do it. Uh, I love Hugo weaving that much, but it like uh, going through thirty twenty ten. I did. We see that Viggo Mortensen is in stuff. Mm-hmm. He's he's got a buzz about him, but like, and he's been one of our more pleasant leading men 
I think we've ever had. Seems like a great yeah. guy and like picks very choosy about what he does, does cool shit. It, it, I already loved Elijah Wood and Sean Astin, but Ian McKellen, I believe, is cast in this before he's Magneto. Oh, so like he, wow. he ends up having like this incredible geek year and, and like introduced to a 70 something year old man introduced to like beloved by children <laughs> because mm-hmm. of this wonderful little like period of two years that he has. Uh, it's kind of astonishing to think about. Yeah. And the, the Vigo Mortensen story of it all, the, the backstory of them oh, trying right. to cast this is sort of like they offered it to Daniel Day Lewis <laughs> and he oh, said, no, no. Did... they offered it to Nicholas Cage and he said, no, maybe Vin Diesel tried to get it and they turned him down. Vin Diesel knew no. what it was and like, no, fuck you. Yeah, Vin Diesel's dude. a big nerd. That's yeah. why. I know. I love that. And I wish. Well, I thought, I thought the story. Part w- of the multiverse. Was. See what that I know. Looked like. and, but no, they had Stuart Townsend cast. Yeah. They Eric Stoltz at his ass. And we're filming. And they, they Eric changed Stoltz? the minds. They Eric Stoltz no. at his ass. Like in Back to the Future. Oh, they're like, oh. cut like, production. Oh we're God, recasting Aragorn. Eric Stoltz again? Yeah. There's, there's, there's <laughs> footage of another actor as Aragorn. Yeah. It's Stuart Townsend who ends up in Queen of the Dam next year. Oh, so it did not work out as well for that's got a sting. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, but then like Russell Crowe was talked about, and he's like, ah, oh, it's too much like Gladiator. I don't want to know. Yeah, like, okay, that's and, and, probably a good call for him. And, though, but like, yes, finally giving Vigo Mortensen the freaking breaking he did. Part part of the yeah. film nerd, like I love the film nerd. I don't know if it was, it was this movie, but it's like to ever to Tim Burton and George Lucas, like. Oh, we can put Christopher Lee in stuff? He's still around? Yes, you can. Yeah. You, you can put Christopher and Lee in whatever you want, and they did. That guy had more work on the in the waning days of his life than like anybody. Yeah. Everything about this is joyous. And uh, especially Kate Blanchett, I just want to compliment how annoyingly dense those books are. And that opening is one of the best things I've ever seen to explain Ooh, yes. thousands of years yes. of lore in four fucking minutes. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. She doesn't use a lot of proper nouns. You don't have to call them the Nazgul if you don't want to, but it just she gets everything across. Yeah, and some things that shouldn't have been forgotten. Like all, it's so great. It's so yep. great. Please watch this movie again uh, if you're like me and hadn't done that in over a decade. Uh, I yep. cannot. I, I I hate the idea that I have to wait another. Like being twenty years ago, I hate the idea that I have to wait another years to watch and talk about this for work. Mm. I'll probably yep. cheat. I know. I remember those ads saying, and then Return of the King 2003. And I'm like, that's a million years away. We'll be all dead then. There's no such thing as a 2003. That sounds like the future. It's something I think modern uh, movie fandoms lack because now you have mm. like leaks in uh, fucking YouTubers. But the OneRing.net or LordOfTheRings.net mm. was an amazing website portal if you gave a shit about the movies being made because they showed you stuff every day, including video. Mm. It was it was a new thing in 2001. And I remember Entertainment Weekly doing a story on just the website because it was kind of the first of its kind. Every movie had like a website where there'd be a bad flash animation, a link to the trailer, buy tickets here. But this is like, no, the filmmaker's going to update you every day, talk to you. Some of those special features on the DVD are from the website. Wow. Uh, that's what they were that's what they were made for. So and there's a ton of, like if you watch they do a meetup at one point with the cast and crew of the community of the website, and it's massive. There's so many people here wanting Lord of the Rings news for two to three years, and they got service very well on this rudimentary website. So I'm just staring at it. That's a, go see, watch Fellowship of the Ring again. Ah, that's cool. They actually had on the, I think it's still on OneRing.net. They have a really good breakdown of what's changed from the books and why. Yeah, and they are not surprised because Tolkien oh. nerds, my God, they are exacting. I mean, they're going through like, well, this dialogue was new. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, yes, because they have to. It's dialogue. That dialogue before it was a four-page song. Yeah, and- <laughs> in, in Elvish. <laughs> Oi. Oh, and they boil it down to one song. That's the best thing about the trilogy. Anyway. Thank God. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. It will said the father of the bride made money. I forget what the original budget was on the trilogy, but this goes mm-hmm. on to make kind of a billion oh, dollars okay. and yeah, off of, I think, I a three. Think it, it, yeah, when all is said and done, it's probably about $100 million per movie. Yeah, I think that's that is exactly what it was. Somewhere around three hundred yeah. million. And, and this by itself made about nine hundred million. Because even now, nobody has. I don't think people have. Correct me if I'm wrong. Who has mounted a big budget trilogy without one movie hitting theaters first to get, to be a barometer? We're gonna talk about what should have been a trilogy oh, at the end of the show. Right. Word that. Uh, yeah, they we're gonna do two and three together, and it's all falling apart, and we'll never get it now. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah, we're on the same. I, no one really does that anymore. No. Yeah, it, it seems like this again a giant gamble. I don't know why they agreed to it. It makes no, especially with the guy who made puppets fucking and a kung fu priest and killing a baby with a lawnmower. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, and I'm glad it happened. It truly mm-hmm. is a special sauce situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's ineffable. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, the cast really, plus Peter not, Jackson. It's like, ineffable. As, as much as we've been bill- you know, bitching about the Hobbit trilogy, which I also can't stand, it shows how you do need the secret weird combination of things that you could have the same guy try to do it again and have it not work. Yeah. Yeah. With with all the tools that is all the way yeah. more tools that he had at the beginning. Uh, and it'll never happen again because he sold the fucking company. It's Sorry, all- <laughs> we've been talking about this for an hour, but I also just want to say one last thing. Go I really it. do think that this movie ushered a lot of people into their sexuality because truly uh, every flavor that you yes. could possibly be into is represented in this movie. You can feast your eyes upon every combination and flavor that you could want. Pretty much it's... <laughs> Uh, if we, if you're pan, this is the movie for you. Like, it uh, is great. You want my gender boyfriend or species? Come and claim it. I love that. <laughs> yeah, when you said every, all of a sudden I knew exactly where you're going with this. Like, um, this is how you figure out your sexuality. You've got a choice of just about everybody. I mean. Except for people of color. That is the yes, one thing I will always say, say. Yes. about Tolkien is it's really easy to tell the good guys from the bad guys. The darker you are, the worse you are. Oh, Except yeah. for Christopher Lee. That's about it. It's like, <sighs> there are, yeah, just one black elf, man. But, okay. If we're talking just, about the gender spectrum. But the gender spectrum, spectrum. You got your twink. You got your bear. You have something for everyone. You got your leather daddy. You got everything. You're right. Mm. <laughs> I, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I... <laughs> All right, you have to move along. Uh, tag oh, yourself. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Uh, I swear to I swear to God, I spend myself my almost my whole life clinically depressed, and I've never felt so opposite than when watching this movie. Oh, Makes me ecstatic. Yeah. I recommend it wholly over the holidays. TV of two thousand one, very short. Batman Beyond concludes after three seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, but you can't cancel. It has kind of a cliffhanger that it concludes and. In a wor- in a world we live in now, this would have come back immediately to a streaming service, and probably still might. And then I like this uh, little historical note: NBC will become the first network to air liquor advertisements this weekend. Oh yeah. wow! I, think- I remember this being a thing. Like, oh my god, there's a Crown Royal ad during this football yep. game. It was pretty apparent because I was like 21 this year, and then it was the same year liquor advertisements started for the oh, first no. time in, in my life. <laughs> and you're like, you know what? Let me try this thing. You're like called- it. Begins. I, no. How do you say it? 
liquor? I was still a broke little uh, like post teenager, and it's like your advertising budget means I can't afford what you're selling. I'll stick with the evidence. Natty light for me. Natty light, baby. And moving on to video games, the PS2 is handily outselling both the brand new Nintendo GameCube and Microsoft Xbox. But maybe this is why we have Dark Rift out this week, uh, a game I think is silly, dumb, and wonderful. Universal Studios theme park adventures, all the licensed music and. Horrible minigame, Back to the Future, Jaws, King Kongery, you could shake a stick at with Woody Woodpecker as your host. Uh, and then Final Fantasy X finally makes it on American shores. We'll talk about that more on patreon.com slash laser type with the video game Apocalypse Boys because this is my first Final Fantasy. Uh, this is where mm-hmm. I get into the game. Huge... After 10 Final Fantasies? After 10 Final Fantasies. It would be the oh, first Final Fantasy boss? to spawn a sequel. No. Th- how How is it final? Every Final Fantasy is different. It's the last story of every universe in every entry. They share similarities, but yeah. Let's go out with Semenya. May it be. I mean, we're we're still in the time of you take a piece of the score, you turn it into a pop song, you see if you can get a a Celine Dion style hit. And there's only one person who could sing a song from Lord of the Rings. Again, I I don't think it was anybody... It wouldn't be an executive's first choice for this, but it was the right choice to get Enya to do this music. And I don't even know the lyrics. I think it was... In 2001. I don't think yeah. she was banging around in 2001. It, oh, yeah. I, she definitely was. I just think it was. She was, but she's not. Well, no, she's had, um, what's that song? Uh, Holy Time. That's like low on the charts right now. Yeah. Is it really? I thought that was like 10 yeah. years before this. I know, no. but you're wrong. Oh, okay. Only Time is the name of that song. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's close that with some Enya. May it be from Lord of the Rings, and we'll be right back. May it be when darkness falls, your heart will be internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of december 17th through the 23rd heading into the holidays we have a grab bag of movies which i think you could generally watch with the whole family i guess just quick shout outs to 60 years ago this week saw the release of judgment at Nuremberg, starring spencer tracy the original star of father of the bride by the way and a really young william shatner (laughs) and it's about the nuremberg war trials and it's pretty good, and for some reason I can't find it streaming anywhere. So, what the fuck, guys? Just thought I'd throw that out there. And also, the same week, The Children's Hour, which is, I think, the first time Hollywood said anything nice about lesbians. It's uh, based on the Lillian Hellman play, and it's about two women, Shirley MacLaine and Audrey Hepburn, who run a girls' school, and they're, like, accused of being gay, and how do they deal with that? And it's actually, like handled really maturely and well and for 1961 when that's still like a crime most places that was pretty cool and then all right the big heavy hitters i would feel remiss if i didn't mention it even though it is not a good time to talk about dirty harry which turns 50 this week because dirty harry is the worst cop in the world when it comes to human rights but damn it he gets the job done 
and it's just it's just an exciting movie. It's just like a lot of fun. Makes San Francisco look really cool. And uh, yeah, Clint Eastwood is going after a guy who's not the Zodiac killer, and just really well directed by Don Siegel. Ton of fun. Sequels you can take or leave, honestly, but the original one's just damn well made. And then the big one, the strongest recommendation I could possibly make. If you take nothing from this massive fucking episode, I implore you to go watch for its 50th anniversary, Harold and Maude, starring Bud Court and Ruth Gordon, directed by Hal Ashby, written by Colin Higgins, who also did 9 to 5. This movie is so special to so many people. Also makes San Francisco look cool. But I can't even explain why or how, because it's about the relationship between a wealthy young man in his 20s who keeps faking his own suicide and he meets a 79-year-old woman and they fall in love? That sounds horrible, but goddammit, it isn't. It is fascinating, uh, you know, coming-of-age story. It's very life-affirming, existentialist. It's a dark comedy in all the right ways. I believe it's getting a re-release, uh, like, through Fathom Events for its 50th anniversary. It's also on Canopy right now, so if you have a library card, you can watch it for free. If you have never seen Harold and Maude, please go watch it one of the best dark comedies of all time. Wonderful song score by Cat Stevens that is just, yeah, I can't ex- quite explain what's so special about it, but it is, everyone who's seen it, just, it's like beloved. So, one of my favorite movies of all time. Please go see Harold and Maude. Anyway, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Hey, Red Solo Cup is cheap and disposable. In 14 years, they are decomposable. And unlike my home, they are not foreclosable. Freddie Mac can kiss my ass. Woo! Red Solo Cup, I fill you up. Let's have a party. Let's have a party. Coming in <laughs> to 2011 with our salute to white people, Red Solo Cup. From Toby Keith, it's on the charts this week. Mm. Barf. Yeah, I cracks me up that this was a crossover hit for him. I, I guess, yeah. It's 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 a symbol of most parties. So, yeah, Red Solo Cup. I get it. Yeah, we have I, a bunch of them in our house right now. Mm-hmm. I I've been asked by so many people overseas, like, is that a movie thing, or do you really just have those red cups at every party? Why do you have red cups at every party? You always, what do you want people drinking out of your good fucking Chipettes glasses? I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. No way, Cause, man. Because they're cheap, and then you can leave a Sharpie out, and people write their names on it. And, yeah. I'm going to break my Smurf mugs. No, they can get the red solo cups. <laughs> uh, and try not to drink the dip. All right. Welcome to 2011, December 17th to the 23rd. We have new releases that include The Dreamer slash The Believer by Common uh, and TM103. Hustler's Ambition by Young Jeezy. I hope I pronounced that right. We Found Love by Rihanna featuring Calvin Harris is still number one. Yep. Ooh, this is weird to think about. Uh, a little bit of news to remind you what's going down in 2011. Ten years ago, the last U.S. troops withdraw from Iraq, formally Yay. ending the Iraq it's War. And Yay. surely the Middle Good East War. We just send contractors now. Great job, everyone. No notes. <laughs> a pluses. Jesus, so how long was that? Like, 03 to 2011? Yep. Mm-hmm. Sweet Jesus. Longer yep. than Vietnam? I can't yep. remember. Movies of 2011, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol moves up to number one at the box office. You'd like to see that, especially when it's a movie you can get behind. You'll love to see the you ghost Prot to see it. Scaling that box office is just like the Burj Khalifa. And Michael made fun of me for calling it Mishpas Ghost Prot, and I was like, <laughs> I said something about how, yeah, we were talking about Ghost Prot, and he's like, what? 
<laughs> we've, yeah, we, finally, we finally yeah. influenced somebody. <laughs> it was Diana. Ghost not, not the porn ghost scrote. That's a different, <laughs> whole different thing. Or the Mad Magazine mission, mission, yeah, possible. No, all right, okay, I'm going to move on. Um, no one gets Mad Magazine parody references anymore. Um, it's a rewrite on that one. Another great week for movies and... The one yeah. I didn't see, Kenneth Branagh, Eddie Redmayne, and Michelle Williams in My Week with Marilyn. Ah, uh, this is, I mean, besides it feels like it's just made for me because mm-hmm. it's a movie about the making of a movie from classic Hollywood. It's about the making of The Prince and the Showgirl, which starred Marilyn Monroe and Laurence Olivier. And this is based on the autobiography of the guy who was kind of assigned to be Marilyn's helper monkey, mm-hmm. played by Eddie Redmayne, and Michelle Williams kills it as Marilyn Monroe. She can do fucking anything. She truly can. It's, it's ridiculous. The, what, the girl from Goddamn's Dawson's Creek can just transform. Like, she... <laughs> if you want to understand why people love Marilyn Monroe, this is kind of a good primer on what her life was like, why she was all the problems that she had, mm-hmm. and what it was like to deal with her, and how she got to be that way and why people love her so much. Like Michelle Williams fucking kills it. Kenneth Branagh, it was inevitable he was going to play Olivier at some point. I like that it's just here where he's more of a supporting role instead of like trying to do a biopic or something. Yeah, My Week of Marilyn is just really charming and it's very, really well done. It got nominated for some stuff, right? I think Branagh was nominated and maybe Michelle Williams Yeah, was. I, I think it was pretty well critically acclaimed and i remember watching it and thinking it's very it's it's good it's very serviceable everyone's doing a great job i'm just kind of tired of maryland the whole maryland mm-hmm. just like jfk hey tired look at that. of that whole narrative obsession but yeah michelle williams can do no wrong and honestly mm-hmm. i would recommend fossey verdon over this oh god she's so good in that too Holy where shit, it's like so how good. how does she do that how how is she a completely recognizable as this other person yeah, she she is. I'm in awe. I can't believe that she's in those. Was it the Venom movies? And it's like, girl, paycheck. I get it. You got bills, but get you a girl who can do both. She's and here. She is. She is so good in this. Mm-hmm. It's a little spooky. Mm-hmm. And Marilyn is someone. It's very easy to go over the top and parody. Oh yeah. <laughs> Next year, that'll be a thing of a topic. Oh. A whole television program about it, if you will. I believe. Oh. <gasps> Oh, is it a musical television program? Oh, yes, it is. Heard, I will have to watch it for that then oh because God, I have do. heard. Because I feel like the only person on earth who's ever I, seen it. Oh, dear. I'm obsessed. All right. Okay. We'll get there. But yeah, My Week with Marilyn, especially good. Like you got parents, you got older folks who like classic movies and stuff. They'll like it too. And it's just pleasant. You know, no one's getting stabbed. So, it's just, you know, it's just it's just good. It's just good. Then moving on. Chris, we might start fighting. I don't think so. Uh-oh. Oh, you said something mean about this movie. Last I did week. because I hadn't seen it. Oh, uh, did you finally see it? I did, and okay. and I think it. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna read a little beyond the cast because I think it might have the most astounding pedigree since JF, JFK's cast: Toby Jones, Tony Curran, Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, Daniel Craig, Andy Serkis, Jamie Bell, uh, in a movie written by the guy who wrote Attack the Block and Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Doctor Ho- Doctor Who showrunner, who also created Sherlock. Oh, we caught a bit of a shit for that. Produced by Peter Jackson and directed by Steven Spielberg, based yes. on the world-renowned comic, The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn. Audiences around the world have discovered the phenomenon. On December 21st, it's your turn. 
Mr. Tintin, we've been expecting you. Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson come together for the first time to bring you what critics are calling the perfect cross between Pirates of the Caribbean and Indiana Jones. We can't turn back. Not now. Hang on, Tintin! The Adventures of Tintin in 3D. What the fuck? This movie... I... I love that that ad is there just to tell you this shit is famous outside of America. Yeah. Do you want to feel left behind? It's su- it's go. super sad that Tintin is to comics what soccer is to sports for Americans. It just yeah. never really broke through over here. I, I don't know why Nickelodeon is producing this movie, but I know they made an effort to bring the cartoon series over and try and get Americans into that. And I just remember it didn't really take with any of us. Mm-hmm. So it's Tintin is a sort of a, a foreign concept, the boy detective. But it wasn't a foreign concept to none of these uh, Englishmen writing this or this New Zealander. It's popular all over the world in uh, yeah. a billion different and languages. Has been since the 30s. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg, yeah. I was reading, got into the comic because people are like, did. Did Raiders of the Lost Ark rip off Tintin? He's like, I don't think so. What's Tintin? And starts reading it in 81 and just like, this is awesome. Buy the rights to this immediately. And that's how long Spielberg had been fiddling with the idea of making a Tintin movie. Damn. And it, it, it's all these weird things had to come together to make the first of a trilogy. And, and, and basically Peter Jackson... Oh, by, by the way, some Robert Zemeckis is also like on set helping supervise the motion capture, and it's in James Cameron's studio. Like the amount of oh like, my god heavy hitters touching this thing that I feel like none of the people in my world gave a shit about, and mm-hmm. including me. And I just saw it this week, and I feel terrible. This is <laughs> I, I, no, I I hated it because the designs look weird, and they do. But if you think of it mm-hmm. as a stylistic choice, because Peter Jackson. 10 years after Lord of the Rings, convinces Steven Spielberg to go for motion capture. So it's nice to know basically that Daniel Craig playing a villain is like really playing the villain. He's in his suit, not just his voice. He's acting out these mannerisms of Tintin's adversary. Tintin! Yeah, and we got uh, little Jamie Bell, who was Billy Elliot. We talked Mm -hmm. about that. 11 years ago and we got Andy Serkis again because you can't do mocap without Andy Serkis. This is the reason. And he's wonderful and it's such a different character than, you know, we used to. And I have, I have, I have little to no knowledge of the source material, but looking at them sort of made me sick (laughs) when I first saw a preview of this, but given the performance that you, that actually comes out of it, it, I, I think it was a decent enough trade-off. I, I wish they looked more like their comic counterparts because there's some there's certain things like why am I seeing razor bumps on this cartoon character's neck? Like <laughs> this is an, an unnecessary detail, but it's a choice and it will mm-hmm. always look interesting as a result of that because they made a stylistic choice. And this movie is way better and way more swashbuckly and action-oriented than any other animated movie I can think of. Yeah, it's, I mean, when they said in the ad, it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark meets Pirates of the Caribbean. You can just leave Pirates of the Caribbean out of this. <laughs> it, it is straight up Raiders of the Lost Ark. Spielberg going back to, you know, what he kicked ass at 30 years before. It does have some uncanny valley issues because the mocap things, things are real. Are, sometimes they look amazingly lifelike. Sometimes they look amazingly cartoony, but they still work. Sometimes they're just that little bit off. It's kind of like, it's weird. It's weird, but mostly, mostly the animation's gorgeous, and it's... I just love the thought of Steven Spielberg getting to do shots that are literally impossible in live action. Yeah, 
This all I, mean, I believe this all this all happened. Incredible long takes where it's like we're gonna follow the dog up the stairs, around the corner, through the window, on top of a truck. He and wanted to like, do this live action and 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 approach Peter Jackson like, hey man, how do I how do I digitally put Snowy into the movie? He's like, you're just gonna it's just Snowy. It should be everybody, and uh, that's how that happened. If wow. <laughs> had he not approached Peter Jackson about the dog, but the tone is that of uh, I. I was trying to pinpoint 101 Dalmatians, and maybe that's just because of the Englishness of it all, but the tone of a 1950s, 60s Disney movie. There, it, I feel like even Nick Frost and uh, Simon Pegg are, are going for Disney character stylistically with their mm. uh, Thompson detectives. And the best thing I can say about this movie is like surprisingly violent. I yeah. was literally taken aback by that. I did not think there'd be that much violence and guns and smoking yeah. and booze. <laughs> In a movie yeah, that looked not, like it was for not kids. like bloody, scary violence. Oh, it's all but, bloodless. Yeah. But, you know, the kind of violence that we used to have in 70s, 80s, kids movies, and no one thought anything about it. And we're talking about Spielberg, the guy who took the guns out of E.T. and turned them into yeah. walkie-talkies. And here, you get a, a kid pulls a gun in, like, the first 15 minutes of this movie because someone's knocking on his door. And you're like, dude! Yeah, the, and then everyone, people's getting punched and knocked overboard it's, it's, it's and not, down some stairs. It's not just baddies unloading automatic weapons on our child hero. He eventually yanks out a gun and starts firing back. And like, what the fuck? There is nothing like this. Yeah. Nothing like this at all. And for so many different reasons. I, I'm fucking pissed I slept on this. Yeah, I know. I'm pissed a lot of people slept on it because you don't have to be a fan of Tintin. I'm only aware of Tintin existing because I've been to Brussels, Belgium. <laughs> and they're very, very proud of Tintin in he's Belgium. Their, he's their Mickey. He really is. Like, you get out, well, 20 years ago, you get out of the train station the first thing you see is a giant Tintin billboard of like it's Tintin you're in the land of Tintin and waffles I hope you're happy <laughs> and I was because they had carts selling waffles fresh made waffles can't That's a complain stereotype. but yeah I just I don't know if it's because people just didn't know much about the character they just stayed away like it got great reviews it's a lot of fun yeah it's super actiony it you know it holds up for kids and adults it's got, again, another bitchin' atypical John Williams score. It's a lot of fun. It, I mean, it made its money back, but they were clearly yeah. poised for this to become a series. It, If, if you look and at it, the box office breakdowns, it did. It cost like $150 million, and it made, yeah. you know, close to making that back in America. And in, in all over the world, it did great, but it's like, and in Belgium, it was number one that week with $500,000. That's what the box office in Belgium looks like when you're number one. Doesn't make your money back necessarily and also doesn't guarantee you a sequel. That's the that's the fucked up thing about like having Spielberg. I'm speaking as a Roger Rabbit fan. The fucked up thing about involving Spielberg with anything, he's always doing stuff and he's got to be interested. And mm -hmm. he's continuously asked about, when are we getting more in 1010? He's like, I get it. <laughs> in between what? Like you're, the three movies you make every year? But it's like, yeah. it's astonishing. This is his only animated movie that he's directed, if you can call it that, other than Ready Player One. He didn't direct Land Before Time, Leave Me Alone. And Yeah, I know. I'm, it's great. Uh, I'm bummed. Yeah, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm bummed that people slept on it. I remember it as like, I remembered it fondly. And then I started watching it and I had like an hour and so I only got about halfway through it. And then, like, until I could go back and finish it, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. It's like, oh, yeah. man. And to find out Robert Zemeckis was involved at all shocks me because this mocap is so much better than all of the stuff he does. They were they were trying to avoid 
having it look like that. And I think that's why no he polar was around. Express here, baby. We don't want photorealistic people. That would be silly and off-putting. And, and I think that's what, what would put me off. Like some of the characters, it's like, well, these look like 3D human. Like whenever you see someone like, here's what Mr. Burns would look like in real life. And, and this 3D <laughs> artist doesn't like, that's gross. That's what the movie looked like to me. But it's, it's, it's unpleasant in all the ways that make it unique and different. And I think that's probably its biggest hampering. I, I think that would have been like the first studio note is like, make these characters look like every other CG character, tone down the violence Make the main mm. character stop drinking. Uh, <laughs> and because this is Spielberg and Peter power. Jackson, they're like, fuck you. No, we will not do what you say. We're visionaries and we'll make a billion dollars. And that they didn't is a bummer because this is one of the most unique flavored animated films I've ever fucking seen. And I'm really yeah. goddamn pissed I waited this long to see it because I'm part of the problem. But they they both claim oh, we're going to do it. We're going to do another one because Peter Jackson, they were to swap duties. And Peter Jackson was to direct the second one. And uh, and I think they were going to give it to someone else for the third one, and they they claim they're still planning it. But man, I'm telling you, people, this movie is wonderful. If you got Lord of the Rings ish ready little kids, maybe a little younger, they're going to love this. This is a really cool looking movie. Yeah, and just the action's fun, dialogue is fun. It's got a cool story. It's got yeah, I know it's uh, it got it got better this the second time around. I just. Just damn enjoy it. It's just, it is old-fashioned entertainment, mm-hmm. damn it. Some of it and is a little, I, I like. You can see it on, if you have Stars or Paramount Plus. I hate That's feeling, I hate feeling so much dumber than Tintin. I'm like, how did he arrive at that conclusion? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so that happens sometimes, like, what? How did he draw that together? But other than that, I have, like, zero complaints about this. This is a breath of fresh air, and I'm kicking myself for having waited this long yeah. to see it. See Tintin. And Sarah, and Sarah, the dog is fine. The dog is a hero. Thank God. He is such a good boy. Okay. That's Snowy, all I need to hear. Snowy is the bomb. He's such a good Snowy. dog. But yeah, there's supposedly, it's a combination of a couple different Tintin stories, and I believe they were going to continue that formula. It, mm-hmm. it was surprisingly difficult to sequelize, and they said they figured it out, and that was in 2018. Mm. And here we are. So there's never been a better time, guys. COVID, and we, uh, you know, limited no- number of people in a mocap studio. Let's do this. Yeah. And finally, the finally, this, I oh. feel like this movie brings everything together that oh. we have been talking about. Oh my God. We got Enya. We got writing uh, things uh, on uh, rapists. We've got trilogies that should have happened, but didn't. Mm. Yeah. We've got, we got my favorite winter snow times. My favorites. <laughs> they marketed this as the feel bad movie of the Christmas season. And like, yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Welcome to my family every Christmas we go to a movie on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. In the morning. It's always the feel-bad movie. It was Black Swan. It was <laughs> this movie. It was the Swedish version of, version of this movie a couple years ago. We no. saw that on Christmas Eve. It was a uh, Django one year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So welcome yep. to my family's Christmas tradition. <laughs> well, also, I, I just tweeted this, but as I was watching it, I just had to stop and tweet out that it is the first of what should have been a trilogy in mm-hmm. which Daniel Craig and a woman that everyone underestimates investigates Christopher Plummer's really shitty family. And it turns out one of them's a Nazi, but he's probably not the one who did it. Whoa. We had two of those. I love them both. Knives out. I wish we had a third one, but we lost Christopher Plummer. So. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we got Jolie Richardson, York Von Wagen. Oh, I almost had it. Wagingen. Robin Wright, I can do her name, Stephen Burkhoff, Stellan Starsgard, Christopher Plummer, Rooney Mara, 
Daniel Craig, once again, two movies this week. Jesus, Daniel, calm two, down. Yeah, two uh, in the same year, man. What are you doing? The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I need a research assistant. I know an excellent one. But she's different. Uh, in what way? In every way. She's had a rough life. Can we not make it any rougher? Elizabeth, I want you to help me catch a killer of women. They say I'm insane. Why would you want to know about such an awful murder? It interests me. The dragon tattoo. Rated oh. R in theaters everywhere December 21st. <laughs> oh, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn it, I love this movie so freaking much. Mm. Oh, this is okay. another one. I thought I remembered it pretty well. I rewatched it and I was like, oh, god damn, that hit better this time. It's better than you remember it. It always. is. And it really I'm sorry. Is. That's true for most David Fincher movies. True. I think he is our greatest mm-hmm. living director. Off the bat, can I ask, like, the, the 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 what was it the Swedish movies mm-hmm. like why did those why were those such a success and this this wasn't I money don't know. money no money no, well it's always money because the Swedish movies cost like sixteen million yeah this was and this surpri- cost like a hundred it was surprisingly it was expensive really expensive it's- I think a lot of that is the top name cast in Fincher himself and they're shooting on location and I, I think that the value of the IP at that point like yeah. he already also, had several successful movies yeah and also too I absolutely love this movie the Swedish version is just as good yeah really? and it's cheaper mm-hmm. so but also probably that's because the source material is god dang near perfect like I am so into the this whole like series. I love it so much. And so I and I read all the books. My whole family read the books. We were very, very into all of it. Stieg Larson, RAP. What an interesting story, by the way, of that dude. Look yeah. into that yeah. backstory. Hello. And then we saw the Swedish version when it came out with Numi Rapace playing yeah. the um, Which I can't. Role. I can't believe I missed it last week. We had in Sherlock Holmes Game of Shadows, we had Numi Rapace, and in Mishpras Gross Pro, we had Michael Nyquist, the two stars of the Swedish Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, Numi Rapace, I just have to say, as a side note, I fucking love her so much. Mm. I want to see so much more of her. I saw Lamb this year. I cannot stop thinking about that movie. Ooh. I recommend it to everyone. Lamb is fantastic. Anyways, this one, though, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I'm not a huge fan of the Mara's. Mm-hmm. Rooney Mara or the other one, but Kate. man, this yeah, is so she, fucking good. She's so good in this. He, people were kind of dubious on her. Like, she's yeah. too pretty to play this, like, creepy punk too rock tiny. girl. Like, she's too so tiny. Slight, too, yeah, not yeah. substantial, honestly. And I guess, really, just based off her one her her one scene in Social Network, Fincher was like, no, she can do this. And what? he's totally right. She mm-hmm. She absolutely kills it. Boy, is this an atypical mystery movie? Because, again... Yeah. Just like Lord of the Rings, I'm paying attention to how is it working and why. I mean, the basic story is this like disgraced journalist gets hired by a rich guy to try to figure out where his niece disappeared to 40 years before. It's basically a locked room mystery. Like everyone was on this island. She disappeared. What the hell happened? Meanwhile, Rooney Mara is this, you know, punk rock hacker girl. And we just see her life, but she doesn't. Our main characters don't meet until halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. We just see what's going on with her where she's getting she's a ward of the state and she's getting horribly abused by like the guy, her her like social worker or whoever's in charge. Mm-hmm. And 
It's like a guardian ad litem sort of situation. Like yeah. Of I, I should say, I didn't. I didn't. And, and I mean, <laughs> trigger warnings abound. Yeah, 100%. I, this I didn't, movie is. I didn't get a chance ooh. to rewatch it, partially because I think this is one of the most unpleasant tentpole movies I've ever yes. seen in my life. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. There's, I mean, it hinges on a serial murderer rapist. Mm-hmm. There is serial sexual abuse in a family, it turns mm-hmm. out. There is, yeah, this guardian ad litem rapes a main character and then Ugh. she rapes him back for revenge. I mean, she she puts a, bil- a dildo in that guy and kicks it. That's <laughs> terrifying. It's very intense. It's yes. very intense. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it is, yeah, like you said. The, but I would not actually agree that it's the feel-bad movie of the year because honestly... Sure. It is, I find it also to be very life-affirming in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's, it's, it's No, like the whole theme of the movie is like how men hurt women. <laughs> yes, and how, and, and but the main character of this movie is someone who rejects that mm. wholeheartedly. She's so fucking strong. She's so strong and she's, and also though, the subject of the movie too also is extremely strong and takes the yoke off abuse in her own way, in a way that helps her the most. And I don't want to give away the ending because mm-hmm. it is a twisty, turny movie. And I think that's yeah. very special. It is so beautiful and yes. so like perfectly done. I don't know. I, I was it so is... happy. It's one of the few times that I read the book, a translated book, which actually mm-hmm. fantastic, and then saw the foreign film based on the book and loved that, and then saw the American version and loved that too. All of it's fantastic. Which do you like, prefer? Which, which do you prefer, film version? Oh, I love them both equally. Honestly, I literally cannot tell you which mm. one I like. It's more. really tough. It's really hard. They they both have different strengths. I mm-hmm. feel like. I feel like the American version kind of sets the ending up a little bit better, but it does have a problem of having too many endings where it's mm-hmm. like, you probably could have cut yeah. this subplot ish mm-hmm. thing going on. And like, it ends like a couple times, but that's really just straight from the book. Again, with the quality adaptations of being able to dump a lot of information about a lot of characters on an audience. And we, we pretty much, we, yeah, we, we know what we need to know when we need to know it. Yeah. So that we never get too lost. Like they dump a whole bunch of family names on. And it turns out you don't actually need them. Don't worry about it. As we get to each person, we'll explain. Yeah. You're good. It's because David Fincher, you can trust him. Like yeah. he is one of the filmmakers that I feel like I can just trust watching his movies. I'm never going to be lost. I'm never going to wonder what is, what's going on here. Or what's this perspective? He's so <laughs> skilled and so intuitive, honestly, to me. Yeah. Well, as and completely in visual storytelling, he's very good at telling you where characters stand in relation to each other and mm-hmm. how they're feeling mm-hmm. without it even being said. Also, it does not hurt screenplay by Steven Zalian, who we just talked about adapting Moneyball mm. into something which, again, the guy wrote fucking Schindler's List. So, yeah, he's awesome. Does a great job. And, yeah, it just, like, it made its money back. And critics liked it. Mm-hmm. Even ones who had seen the foreign one, they say, like, uh, as Fincher goes, I feel like it's lighter Fincher. He's not going full Fincher. Mm-hmm. I feel Why like he's being, that? I don't know, just, he's not doing some of his, like, little tricky things that sometimes he likes to do. I think he got mm-hmm. it all out of his system in the, the opening sequence, which I, I which I watch oh. about, like, a couple times a year. We ha- I want credit sequences back. A lot of yeah. movies have them at the end. I want 
opening credit sequences to set the tone. It's like the mm-hmm. best music video of the last 10 years. It's, it's spectacular. Do you know who directed tra- it? Uh, who? It's actually uh, the creative director on it was Tim Miller, mm-hmm. who's an effects guy yeah, who's the, gone on to Deadpool direct guy. Deadpool. Yeah. yeah. The blur yeah, fell That over. opening yeah. is so fucking good. Yeah, Karen O reminds- singing the Led Zeppelin's The Immigrant Song, reorchestrated by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another yeah. another killer score mm-hmm. from well, them, too. The trailer to this is Amazing. the was the inspiration for why I wanted to do the all trailers episode yeah. of the all, for <laughs> I, Laser Time. It's one of my favorite trailers. I've gone to one of the best trailers of all trailer time. festivals. This is always there it's Uh, perfect that fast zoom towards the house while the immigrant song plays Mm -hmm. yes i believe you have to look up red band trailer to find it the one that you're thinking of yeah yeah it's great uh yeah and so i mean this was gonna be a trilogy there's a trilogy of books i think it wasn't the smash hit because it's it's a hard r it Mm -hmm. is not a happy-go-lucky movie for the whole family but the books are so popular so i mean you had to and they were gonna do two more back-to-back just like Lord of the Rings done. And they had a script for the second one that Stephen Zalian did. And then I guess Andrew Kevin Walker took a pass who wrote seven. So I'm trusting him on this material too. With and it Fincher. just with Fincher, Fincher was yeah. going to do all three and everyone signed to do all three. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of took too long. And then they decided, Oh, let's reboot it. And we'll make that spinoff movie. <laughs> and uh, that's, taken Spider's e- Web. that's taken even longer. <laughs> And and then like well that doesn't seem to have taken mm-hmm. as a thing and it's like yeah guys you you probably should have had the second one farther in development when you released this one wow yeah. so much like Tintin yeah. I, I think I think part of that is probably Fincher himself it's this the same Tintin Spielberg problem like you have to get his attention mm. or at least put some money in the line to get him to do mm. this or he's his attention is going to waver and go somewhere else and I think at this point like Fincher's mounting like eighteen Netflix series. And mm. <laughs> oh, Mine Hunter, I miss you so much. <laughs> oh, Mine Hunter, so good. I loved it. No love for uh, I forgot the name of the show with Kevin Spacey, but um, oh, right, <laughs> House of Cards. House of yeah. Cards. He loved his Maras. Oh my god! I yeah, there's the other Mara. Yeah, yeah. Forget about that. And Robin Wright. Jesus. <laughs> hey. Okay. Yeah. This this is something I feel like I might watch again, but I just remember like I didn't get the affirming thing out of it. I just got like, oh, is this... no. <laughs> I feel very. No. Honestly, I feel very empowered by this movie. Okay. Yeah. To I kind of think it's, it's like what's, what Sarah was saying about Fellowship of the Ring. It's like, this is scary. I am scared. I'm going to go kick its ass now. Exactly. I don't have a choice. Exactly. Precisely. The the character Elizabeth Salander. I actually have a little um, wristband that says, what would Lizbeth do in my car? Like on my <laughs> gear shift. Because I just absolutely love this whole series so much. And yeah, it's absolutely, to me, very life-affirming, very... I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyways. Same thing I said about La Femme Nikita, another movie that I absolutely <laughs> loved so much. It's like, I'm going to cry the entire time, but I'm still going to fucking kick ass. But I, <laughs> maybe I'm going to cry too. <laughs> like, it's okay. You're still going to do it. You're still... I don't know. I, I absolutely love this movie. I think it's a perfect adaptation. I think Fincher is our greatest living director, absolutely, and... This is one of his best. God damn. God damn. And I also think for me personally, this movie, we've got a coast to coast hit as far as Father of the Bride, Lord of the Rings, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. This whole theme of this week has been life affirming, heart heart opening movies for me. All three hmm. of them really did it for me. Throwing huh. some tin in there. You got a stew going. And <laughs> it's 
So it's it's been such a great week for film. It really has. Really, and it truly uh, has. Uh, you, you can stream this on Hulu, I believe. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Plus bonus, Classic Corner, the film yeah. that you champion in Classic Corner, also a very life affirming, heart opening movie Ab- for me as well. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. a movie with so much suicide in it, but <laughs> it's not real suicide that will make you want to be alive again. Thank you for backing me up on that because it's like absolutely. I can't explain why I love this so much, but please watch it and then we'll, we'll hug again. It's ineffable. Moving into television of 2011, because we have to. I'd rather talk about Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yep. 17th through the 23rd of December. The, the SNL, uh, your host, Jimmy Fallon, musical guest Michael, Michael Buble. Your mom's two favorite guys. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, Other than looking up uh, JFK conspiracies, the most time I spent was trying to find the monologue of this episode just because I wanted to see Jimmy Fallon. It's a, it's a, it's a, great, got a great show. Got a great show. <laughs> it, uh, I... I so sweaty. They have scrubbed its existence from the internet. So either it is the only SNL with no monologue or something happened there. And something happened hmm. that's so bad or so licensy they can never show again. But it's this oh. grand reunion. Rachel Tratch, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Horatio Sands, Tracy Morgan, they all come back to these stuff. And uh, it's a nice Christmas episode. Hmm. On the 22nd, Melanie Morrow is the first winner of The X Factor, a show I'm not sure I could pick out of reality show lineup. Is that a singing show? Or yes. is that a dating show? You know, yeah. neither of you know. <laughs> neither of I you know. I only watch the ones where people throw glasses of wine in each other's faces. I guess that's not a dating show. Okay. No, it's a singing show. Singing show. So yeah. 2011 video games this week. Jurassic Park, the game, episode two. That's a telltale game. If you can find it in the wild, buy it. There's probably some rights issues. Postal 3 is out. Hmm. One of the dumbest, edgelordiest uh, game series that has ever existed. Would you like to pee in Gary Oldman's mouth? This is the game for you. Because you can do this. No. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to. It's just something Wait, you can do. Gary Oldman or Gary Coleman? Oh, Gary Coleman. <laughs> Why would Gary Coleman be in <laughs> Okay. Well, you said Gary Oldman. I'm too good for did. this. And that was that was postal too. It's 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 impossible. You don't don't have to. You can pee on anything in postal too. And then I thought we didn't have a bunch of big releases during this part of the year, but once again, I'm proven wrong. The Old Republic, Bioware's MMO for the Star Wars. It's follow up to Knights of the Old Republic. Full on MMO uh, is out and. I don't think it's still going, but I wouldn't be surprised if it still was because it was going for a long, long time. And uh, yeah, that is about it for the show. You can find out more at patreon.com slash laser time. We post extra uh, episodes relating specifically to this show, one of which you will get this week about Classic Corner. Di, where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitters at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. Coming up next week, um, we have one of Tony Soprano's favorite movies. Public Enemy? No. (laughs) About therapy. Oh, Oh. my God. I cannot wait, y'all. Let's see. We got Will Smith going in the boxing ring to play one of the greatest. And we have another Steven Spielberg movie, which I am not as inclined to as Adventures of Tintin. Yeah. Wait. I'm trying to think of what it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's not that one, is it? Nope. It's the one with the guy and his goddamn horse. Oh, yes, that's right. His goddamn horse. There's so much I like in it. Why do I hate the rest of it? 
No sex scenes. That's Equus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for recovering my terrible joke. Oh, at Video Game Apocalypse this week, I think we might be talking about some of the best DLC this that's, that was out this year. We've, we've fallen behind, but uh, we do a 302010 game show with those guys. Uh, where several of the decades we were actually working in the games industry, so we can give you some behind-the-scene weirdo insights. Drunkenly, of course, only for patrons, because you don't want to put it out there, out there for everyone. You don't know who's trying to destroy you. And with that out of the way, we got to find out who died during this period. Who did? Well, wow. 2011, we lost two world leaders. To start with uh, Vaclav Havel, who the was... The Sex Pistols, 8 B.C. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Why didn't I get that? <laughs> president of the Czech Republic. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, he was he was the president of Czechoslovakia. And then, then when they split... Uh, he was like in charge during the split. They call it the Velvet Revolution because Czech Republic and Slovakia just like broke up super amicably and it was a great divorce. <laughs> and there wasn't any fighting like Yugoslavia or anything. Almost Everyone was just happens. like, we're done, right? Yeah. Okay, bye. Right. But the thing that made people a bit nervous in 2011 was uh, Kim Jong-il died. He was 69. Nice. nice. I was and there. The only nice thing about him. Yeah. The Word. dictator of North Korea. People were kind of nervous about like... um. So we know he has kids. Who's going to be in charge? And then, like, the, you know, this little goofy son gets to be in charge that people have, like, barely seen. And they're like, okay. Um, but I was, I was there for both. Okay? And I would like to say the paranoia, exactly the same. They have, they have both turned out to be <laughs> almost interchangeable as people. We are in the exact same, uh, what would you call it, diplomatic uh, course with them. They are in the same yeah. diplomatic course with us. The same nuclear threats as before. The same movies being made about themselves. It's like everything's the same. Yeah. He's I definitely his father's son. Yeah. Kim Jong-un's turned out to be baby King Jong-un because what else can he be? Do you know how, how much of a, how surrounded you have to be by cowering yes men to die at 69 as a billionaire? <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't have to take care of himself because all his doctors would tell him he was fine all the time. Yeah. And did you know he invented golf and he got 18 hole in ones the first time he played it and then the rainbow showed up? Do you know he doesn't have a butthole because he doesn't poop? That is the real yeah. thing. These that's are a, all things that are true. All things North that are true. North Korea said so. For the great leader. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's advanced. It, it is. But now that we know about world leaders that died, let's talk about whose birthday it is. Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo. A ding-dong doodly-doodly-ding-dong-doo. Turning 75 this week. We got a boomer. Born December 18th, 1946 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mom played the piano and dad was an electrical engineer. Then they moved to New Jersey and then Arizona, where he was the only kid that was Jewish and got bullied all the damn time. A Jew in Arizona. That don't yep. beat all. Yep. At age 13. I know who this is. He made a 40-minute war film on 8 millimeter. Okay, Do you know how know much editing is. with a fucking razor blade and tape that takes? I don't know who this is. Um, uh, okay. It sounds like um, it's now a film mucker. Yes. Mm-hmm. He got real shitty grades, so he couldn't go into USC like he wanted. So he enrolled in Cal State Long Beach and dropped out because he got a directing deal. He oh, returned. Sorry, nope. He went to USC. He returned in 2002 and finished his degree. Whoa. And I have information about this. It's very goofy. Completely random aside for culture warriors, a couple of years ago, Cal State Long Beach changed their mascot from Prospector Pete, who represents the despoiling of the environment and pushing Native people off their land. Oh. They changed it to LB, a shark that uses they-them pronouns. Love 
it. <laughs> but 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 does he whistle every time he says S words? I missed that about prospect. I'll allow it. That's fine. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. I was fascinated that by is that. Amazing. Okay, so uh, our guy he had to drop out of Cal State Long Beach because he got directing work, directing the pilots for Columbo and Night Gallery. Steel? No, it's not. Michael Mann. Nope. Hmm. Should we go into his movies? Yeah. Give me one. You're going to feel stupid. Always Empire of the Sun. Spielberg. Indiana God damn Jones it. And Last Crusade. I, it I is Steven was, Spielberg. I didn't think he was 75. He is 75. We also oh. talked about Hook. And, and I thought he went to USC. Jurassic Park. No, he did not. He dropped out of Cal State Long Beach. Wow. Never got to USC. But I did look oh. it up. I, I got actually way deep into it. So in 2002, he finished his degree doing independent study. Normally, you have to make a film project that's at least 12 minutes long. They accepted Schindler's List as a replacement. Oh, come on. Universal jack-off motion from me on that. As someone who never does his work on time, I always get that treatment. <laughs> Just write a paper about how much you like the class. I'm sorry. Cool. No. I'm See, sorry. I think they should have held Spielberg to make a 12-minute film. Yeah, Bruh. make a 12-minute film. He has make like 17 assistants. Film. Yeah, this was the like a couple days after he got an honorary doctorate from Yale. <laughs> but he actually, he walked in his graduation. He had to write the essays like everyone else, they said. And I there is footage of his graduation, and I'm sending it to you to play because it is hilarious. You have footage of Spielberg without a hat on? No, he's got a mortarboard oh, on. Oh, of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> the fancy of hats. I what what the CSULB band does for him is so stupid and wonderful at the same time. Be it Steven Spielberg. They're <laughs> <laughs> so fucking out of tune. I love Marching band renditions of non. One of my favorite clips that ever happened. The the whole Trump era was worth it. If you can mm. find that clip of him watching a French marching band play Daft Punk songs, as he stands there joyless, just grimacing, and scowl. Oh, he looks miserable. So good. Yes, proud Cal State Long Beach graduate Steven Spielberg. I'm making he that my ringtone. He walks to a regular graduation. I think that's adorable. The, before they get going, the dean specifically tells everyone, don't give him your scripts. Leave the man alone. <laughs> Fucking film students. I know what you're like. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry. He's your classmate. You got The reason you go to film school, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, is for networking reasons. That is if true. You're t- if you're schoolmate is steven spielberg you should be able to network with that person give him your scripts if he's gonna do a stunt like graduating from film school quote unquote you're gonna have to do all the bullshit that everyone else has to do which means networking with people you don't like good point it's like lord of the rings with et's that's all (laughs) yeah no apparently part of the reason he went back was to show his kids like you should finish school finish what you start Okay, Dad. Should I, Dad? Doing the universal jack off motion. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Dad. Let me. Um, He's doing the universal jack off motion out of the bill. out of the window of their private helicopter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I think that's cute. Anyway, Good job. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> yeah, I didn't finish the list of movies of his. We've talked about Always, Empire of the Sun, Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade, Hook, Lost World, Jurassic Park, Amistad, Saving Private Ryan, AI, and Artificial Intelligence, Adventures of Tintin this week, and War Horse next week. I love AI. Mm. Or worse. Um, yeah, I've never seen it. I'm looking forward to it. Well, go, like I, someone needs to watch it besides me. Um, 
Man, yes. Thank you guys. I'm so- afraid that horse is going to be sad at some point, and I don't want to see it. No, no, it's not going to be a luck situation. Yes. The horse is going to see war. <laughs> That's true. It's going to make the horse sad. <laughs> Sometimes I see the explosions when I close my eyes at night. <laughs> count, count me out. <laughs> I don't want that horse to feel any sort of trauma. That's nice of you. Wilbur, no. you, know, you know the smell no of melting cares. skin? <laughs> you never forget. No one cares about the horse's feelings. <laughs> the horse is like, on top of naturally being scared of fireworks, now I have this. We gotta you got to dig gotta... deep and overcome. That's what we learned this week, horse. Come on. Thank you got to get through it. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> As we close out, uh, we're almost near the end of another season of 302010. Season six is almost wrapped. The movies are just getting started being fun. Uh, but it also, the time of year where you recommend us to your friends or I'll tear your throat out and kick you in the ear. <laughs> and that's why we're closing out it's with our version of Krampus. Let's have a Patrick Swayze Christmas from Mystery Science Theater 3000's Santa Claus versus the Martians, Pia Zadora Extravaganza. It's on YouTube. Yep. You have to watch that episode. It's so so ridiculous. It, oh yeah. But now Patrick Swayze Christmas, that's uh thirty years old and it's a, a carol I sing every year. Okay, take us out satellite of love. It's my way or the highway this Christmas at my bar. I'll have to smash your kneecaps if you bastards touch my car. I got the word that Santa has been stealing from the till. I think that that right jolly old elf better make out his will. Oh, let's have a Patrick Swayze Christmas one and all. And this can be the haziest. This can be the laziest. This can be the swayziest Christmas of them all. La 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 la.